Welcome to the Wise Guys Podcast. Wise Guys is your home to interact with the worldwide community of BYU fans in a variety of ways. We're your hosts, Dave McCann and Blaine Fowler. What you're about to hear is the audio recording from our weekly live broadcast. We invite you to join us for the show live every week to chat with us and with other BYU fans. You can find the schedule and watch live at wiseguys.com. That's ysguys.com. Thanks for listening and go Cougs. Hey, happy Tuesday. Welcome to the Wise Guys, the number one BYU sports live stream show in prime time in the entire world. Dave McCann, Blaine Fowler. We're so happy to have you here because we have so much to talk about. We got some cool guests. Everybody's winning. It's a good time around here. Yeah, and this is a big week. This is time for football to step up into the big time. Ten straight P5 games on the horizon, starting with Arkansas. So we'll talk about that. Hey, uh, make sure you're following us on YouTube. Yep. We had a big jump in our YouTube subscribers you. this last week. We're grateful to you for that. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll put the link up in the chat uh, for you to, to join that. Hit subscribe. It's free. We're also live on Facebook, Twitch, and live at uh, and wiseguys.com, ysguys.com. Uh, make sure you follow us on ysguys.com. If you do, you'll get our weekly email, which has highlights and all of that from the show. It's free. Um, you also, when you sign up for the stuff, you get a text. Like, all of you that are signed up should have just got a text saying, hey, we're coming on. So, um, And we're excited for guests from all around the world that chime in every Shout week. Shout out tonight, uh, Jonathan from Henderson, Nevada. Josh from Harriman, Utah. Uh, let's see, Amber's from New York and with us, as she is all the time. We appreciate that. And uh, let's see, from Santa Fe, Les is here early. Hey, thanks for getting here early tonight, Les. Remember last night, last, last right. year, kind of popped Let, in late. Les, he had to come in late, but he, he's in on How time. How about Paul from the Vegas airport? And, yeah, there you go. Uh, we're on his live way to on Austin. Twitch. We're live on Facebook. We're live on YouTube. So let us know where you are, Cougar Nation, and, and uh, we'll have some fun tonight. So, and Amber's like, hey, bring on John Beck. And wasn't Amber telling us last week, get Dennis Pitta out she here, likes right? It. She doesn't like to wait. No, she wants, she wants, the, she wants the stars on as quick as possible. <laughs> Beaumont, Texas. Michael's with us uh, uh, this week. Thank you for, for bringing us in. You know, there's a Texas theme now uh, as, as we get Qu- going with the questions Big 12. Question's already coming. John Crowder's asking why Ratliff, Rat, you know, Ratzliff wasn't in as QB2 in the game. Good question. So, uh, do you want to, should I just answer it right now? Yeah, or? just answer it real so, quick. So, they're trying to redshirt Ratzliff. And, and if you're going to redshirt him, he can play in four games. But you don't know. So typically you would wait toward the end of the season to just play him um, when he had four games left. Now, if if something were to happen, and and like I'm going to knock on wood, and these are wood tables. These are solid wood tables. Solid I'm going to knock him. Like Keaton Slovis, we don't want him to get hurt. But something happened to Keaton early in the season, then Jake would play. Um, but but right now, they'd really like a chance because he's got three to play two. I mean, he's got three years. He can redshirt a year and still play two. And so for mop-up duty right now, you know, Kate got that assignment, and uh, and they're trying to preserve a redshirt opportunity for Ratzliff. So there's your answer, uh, John. There's your answer. Here's what's coming up on tonight's show. The Cougars beating Southern Utah 41-16. to Now they set their sights on Arkansas. Former Cougar John Beck will join us. We'll get his take on Keaton Slovis and the new development in New York with Zach Wilson back as the starter for the Jets, as you know. After four plays. John's the personal quarterback of those two, so we'll have plenty to talk with him. That's coming up a bit later 
later tonight. Yeah, and we're going to talk to Blaine Douglas. Rarely do we get to talk to another Blaine That's on the right. show. That's right. It's a record. Uh, but, but we'll visit with Blaine Douglas from the BYU Alumni Association in Arkansas. We'll get details on all the pregame festivities in Fayetteville. And there's a lot going on. Yeah, a lot going on in Fayetteville. Three days of stuff going on there, and we'll catch up with, with Blaine on that. Women's soccer solidifies their number one ranking uh, with the Big 12 opener coming up Thursday night at Southfield. Yeah, that's... That's They're, big. They are big time. They are big time. How about former BYU basketball coach Dave Rose? He joins the program ahead of his introduction into the Utah Sports Hall of Fame. That's what a well-deserved honor that's happening Monday, and Dave's going to join us, our good friend. We used to have uh, sessions with Dave during shoot-arounds where uh, he'd talk us off ledges, we'd talk him off ledges. <laughs> Seemed like we talked we, him we off more ledges. We didn't talk ba basketball, we just talked <laughs> life with Dave, and we'll talk basketball and life with Dave um, when he joins us here in just a bit. So excited to get him in the Utah Sports Hall of Fame, where he belongs to be. Uh, so he's coming up here in just a few minutes. Um, let's get to the headlines, and, and we begin with uh, BYU at Kansas, the Big 12 opener. That is Saturday, September 23rd. ESPN has announced the games at 1.30 Mountain Time, on ESPN. The mothership. BYU Sports Nation game day will start at 11.30 a.m. Mountain Time. That's coming up September 23rd. So, so here we are um, three weeks in, and, and oh, that would be four weeks in, and already three day games. Isn't it nice? Yeah, it's kind of nice. So, And that one's on the mothership, ESPN, middle of the day. How about that? That's going to be fun. Um, so the BYU-Arkansas game this Saturday, 5.30, that's on ESPN too. So that's, you know... That's close to the mothership. It's close. Right? You can see the um, ship from there. Right. Our game day show, make sure you tune in to BYU TV and pick up our game day show. That starts at 3.30 Eastern, 1.30 Mountain Time. Um, wait. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's right. 3.30 yeah. Eastern. Um, we'll talk a little bit more about the Razorbacks later. We'll give you a full preview of that game here in a little bit. Neil here with us from Southern Arizona. Uh, Tim watching tonight. Uh, guys, thanks Keep them coming. We want to conquer the world here with our live stream. Uh, let's talk about BYU and Southern Utah. Uh, Cougars now 2-0, and Thunderbirds 0-2. The offense was much better as we expected it would be. Everyone was surprised at Sam Houston. We all were at just like, what the heck? And then um, after a week of practice, the offense came back and Keaton Slovis settled in and had a Pretty good day. Yeah, 22 of 32, um, a, a 348 yards, four touchdowns. He, he had an interception, but being an old quarterback, those should not count. When you get nailed, when you get it? smacked and the ball flies up in the air, or when you throw a ball and it hits a receiver in the face and he doesn't catch it and it pops up in the air, like those are ones I don't think should go against the quarterback. I think they should be team interceptions. Or if a receiver tips a ball up in the air and it gets picked, give the receiver the interception. Yeah. That's not the quarterback's fault. And block for somebody yeah. for crying out loud. You know loud. what? Give the offensive tackle an interception on that one because he let Keaton get smacked. The ball went straight up in the air and got picked. So he didn't make any bad throws in that game. And so, so yeah, he had an interception. 22 of 32, four touchdowns, um, and he had another rushing TD. Yeah, so five Slovis touchdowns on the day. Yeah, it was a pr pretty amazing day. Um you know, we're a little bit concerned that, that the run game wasn't there. We'll talk about that in just a minute. But how about Isaac Rex with four receptions for 112 yards and a touchdown? That touchdown ties him with Gordon Hudson, my old teammate, for the most touchdowns receiving at 22 for all time at that tight end position. We've been waiting for the quarterback tight end reunion because mm -hmm. uh, we didn't see it a whole lot last year. Right. Uh, and that appears to be on. 
and um, looking forward to Saturday. I sat down with Isaac, uh, and you'll see that interview on game day as we get ready for kickoff. And what a what a nice, charming, giant, soft-spoken uh, young man who's who's a little older now, and uh, it, it's a fun interview. It's great. And we, we were talking about on After Further Review. Hopefully you guys all watched After Further Review when it was available um, an hour leading into this, an hour before this show leading into this show. We talked a little bit about Isaac's wingspan and his catch radius. He's got, he reminds me of Chad Lewis with that huge, oh, yeah. you know, wingspan where he can, it's, it's, I think it's seven feet that, that Isaac can go, you know, tip to tip. Um, that's a nice big target um, where he can go up and get the ball. We, we had a great throw in that game by Keaton where Isaac was they going went down 65 the middle. Yards. And he, he, he just outreached everybody for it. And I don't think anybody else on the field could have made that catch. And he made it look pretty easy. And what a throw by Keaton. So Isaac's become a great weapon. Chase Roberts, six receptions for 84 yards. He's been consistently very good. The most consistent receiver. And, and I love how Darius Lasseter, mm-hmm. the transfer from Eastern Michigan, has really figured in to this offense for BYU and has been doing a nice job. Darius had five receptions for 73 yards and a touchdown in this one. Keanu Hill, three catches for 41 yards and a touchdown in his season debut. Amber, let me answer your question real quick. Saturday's game is on ESPN2. The pregame show is on BYU TV and the postgame show is on BYU TV. So those are the two outlets that, that you should be looking for primetime on Saturday night. The run game, as you mentioned, Blaine, 23 carries, 46 yards. And uh, that's, not, that's not great. That's not a good number. We thought it would be triple that against Southern Utah. But as uh, Aaron Roderick mentioned on his uh, Coordinator's Corner show on BYU TV on Monday, uh, Southern Utah stacked the box, so we just threw at him all game long and you know Slovis had 348 yards and four touchdown passes so it's like yeah okay but we'd still like to see better running. yeah I mean we, we watched the play where we're um and and broke it down for you on after further review where they actually had 11 players in the box 11 in the box and tried to play man-to-man defense so Southern Utah did play a defense determined to stop the run but you know what it's Southern Utah you still need to be able to average four yards to carry him and I, even though I think um, you know Arkansas will play more balanced defensively, they're not going to put, they're not going to load up everything because they're going to have to defend the pass. Um, you know, perhaps as they play a more basic set defensively with a typical number in the box, BYU will have more success running. And I think they have to do that. They got to do. They got to do some. They got to so. do some uh, just to take some pressure off of Slovis and also bring yep. in play action. Hey, about uh, hey Tammy Van Houten Drake, that's my cousin. Oh, she's joining from New York, from nice. back home in upstate New York. Wait, way to get on, Tammy. This is like a couple weeks in a row. Yeah, and we have a so, lot of New Yorkers on the yeah, show. New York is great. New York is showing up big time. BYU's defense was solid again. Camden Garrett got his first career interception. He's the other Weber State transfer. Uh, you got Eddie Heckard and uh, Camden Garrett, who played for Jay Hill at Weber State, right. and they came down here to play. Um, uh, SUU rushed 27 times for 84 yards. Not a lot. No. BYU's run defense has been stellar all, um, for, for through these two games. And they picked up 262 yards in the air and a touchdown. They had a, a senior quarterback, and uh, they made some nice plays in the second half. Yeah, and remember, this, is, this quarterback, uh, Miller, he's been starting for them for three straight years. 
since the COVID shortened year, every game for the last three years, he's been uh, he's been the starter for them. So a very veteran quarterback. Not surprising he was poised and looked good. We expected that out of him. How about the special teams? BYU was all over the place. Uh, Harrison Taggart, he's the transfer from Oregon. He got in there, blocked a punt. That led to a touchdown. And Marcus McKenzie, he's the gunner. The gunner is the guy first down to tackle somebody trying to catch one of uh, Rico's punts. And he is spectacular at doing that. Yeah, he he's becoming a star on special teams. And he's got two things going for him. First of all, he's a very good football player. So, so he is he's hard to block, and he's a solid tackler. But he's just flat out blazingly fast. And when he gets outside as a gunner, um, he is having tremendous success getting down and giving people problems and covering punts. And then, you know, as far as Rico kicks the football, sometimes you'd worry that he'd outkick coverage. Yeah. He's not outkicking McKenzie. No. And so he has been a phenomenal McKenzie loves it. He said, uh, and we'll see him on game day because he's in the film room this week. Mm -hmm. But he said that uh, Rico kicks it so high... That he has time to burn down and and nail the the punt returner, um, and he goes, yeah, that's I love it. You know, I love that he kicks it far and high because he's fast, and that's enough. When when have we ever, um, you know, that we kind of reserve that film room for stars. Um, you know what I mean? So it's it's like big stars on offense, big stars on defense. Can, I don't ever remember us. Having a kick cover guy be in the film room to talk about it—that's how much of a star Marcus McKenzie has become um, down down covering kicks. So, special teams has been a real plus for BYU this season. And and I look at Ryan Rico as if not the top punter, one of the top two or three punters in the, in the country. His ability to flip the field um, is a big deal. And so BYU in this game against Arkansas, that's going to be a big deal. There's going to be times when Arkansas's defense is going to hold and where it's going to be okay to say, listen, let's not take a chance. We're deep in our own territory. Let's just let Ryan Rico flip the field here. And he'll boom a 65 or 70 yarder down there. And Marcus McKenzie will go down and, and take the guy out right where he catches the ball. And now they've got a long field. And in the exchange of punts, you gain yardage. And, and in really tight football games against good teams, sometimes it's that punting game that allows you to gradually flip the field and get a short field and score. So what a weapon Rico is and what a weapon uh, Marcus McKenzie is in kick coverage. Way, way underrated, I think. I, although I do think after two games, people are going, hey, this McKenzie kid's pretty special. Yeah, yeah, and he's fun to talk to. Very bright and excited to be here. And then his twin brother will be here next year. Once he finishes up his mission back in Atlanta, and we'll have two McKenzies. Uh, two McKenzies are always better than one. Yeah, two McKenzies are better, and, especially uh, when they both run faster than 10, 5, yeah, and 100 meters. Absolutely. Right? Kalani Sataki addressed the media to begin the week uh, on the heels of a 2 0 start and looking straight into uh, the face of Arkansas. Let's listen to his opening remarks and we'll react to him. Kalani Sataki. Really excited about this week. Obviously, um, happy about being 2-0 and as a team and excited about the, comp the competition that we've had so far and seeing the guys play. Um, we're right where we wanted to be at this point. Obviously, there's some things that we can definitely improve on. Looking forward to improving from week two to week three. Thought we made some improvement from week one to week two. Um, doesn't get any easier. You know, we, we have a great team in Arkansas, a well-coached team. I'm really excited about the matchup. I think I, I can't, I mean, Sam Pittman's an amazing person 
and a great mentor and a great coach. And I like being around him. Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to, you know, talking with him before and after the game. But uh, I think in terms of coaching, man, I just really admire what he's done and and uh, the, the way he he leads. Um, he's a obviously a background of, of an O-line guy, so the, I know that they'll be really physical. Um, we played against them last year, and they put up a lot of points on us, and uh, they they got the victory. And so we're looking for the uh, you know for the the rematch and going out to, to Arkansas and, and going to enjoy this game and try to get ready for them and the tough team, tons of talent, uh, just like we saw last year. Um, and doesn't hurt that they have a veteran quarterback returning that's big and strong, uh, can run and can throw. Um, that combination with a running back that can run. Uh, they have a, a group of running backs that can run, a core of them, and then they have um, you know, solid tight ends that can catch, can throw, uh, that can catch, the catch in the pass game, and they can uh, throw great blocks. And then you have big, big, um, big receivers. They have three receivers that uh, basically they all have about a hundred yards each uh, in, in receiving yards. Um, on, that's just one phase. The offense is really good and a well-coached team. Obviously, you've got some some new coaches uh, there, but defense. You can see the same thing. Athletic team. Uh, tons of talent, and um, really looking forward to the matchup. But obviously, we're going to have to be at our best and looking forward to our guys getting there. It's week three now, so we're right in the, at the swing of things with with, with, uh, with the season. Uh, it took forever to get here, but now that the season's here, it seems like it's going pretty quickly. So we're trying to uh, relish all the moments and try to make some great uh, experiences and um, you know, great memories. And so hopefully we can get that done. Uh, this weekend when we get out there in Arkansas. Looking forward to the matchup, though. So I'll take any questions you guys have. Do you have a question for him? Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, no. Um, actually, uh, I love that Kalani says, how many coaches say, hey, it's going pretty, it's, the season's going pretty fast, so we, we need to um, relish every moment. Which, yeah. which I love that he says that. He, he, you know, he talks to these kids all the time about take, taking it all in and... Uh, um, you know, making sure that they're enjoying it and not being tight, which I think is important as you go on the road to a place like Arkansas, for your players to be relishing the moment, being excited about being in a big environment like that, and uh, and having fun, right? Because when you're having fun, you play loose and you play fast. And so I, I love that little comment. That's just one of the little words I, I picked up in that interview today where I was just like, yeah. Do relish the moment. Have fun. You're going down and playing in the SEC. You're way more likely to win if your team's loose and you're playing and you're having fun. Yeah, and and uh, and we've been waiting a long time for this. I, I wrote a story in the Deseret News today. Uh, you can read it at Deseret.com, but it's um, uh, it, it's like the the game we used to play in school: Red Rover, Red Rover, send the Cougars on over and and it's like the kids who weren't invited to play in that game they just stood on the sidelines at recess and watched and then all of a sudden BYU's waved in and now they're they're they're, their challenge is to come through and break through the line and uh you you look at the 10 P5s that are over there armed locked arm in arm to try to deny BYU and you go well where's the weak spot and you see Texas and Oklahoma, and uh, you see the the right side of the line. Well, that's those those guys are a little bigger. Yeah, there's no reason to run over there because we'll deal with them later in the game. But you look over to Arkansas and Kansas and Cincinnati, and you go, okay, there's opportunities here, 
And that's where they're running on Saturday to yep. break through uh, against Nebraska. And after last year's game where Nebraska came in, scored 52 points uh, against BYU, beat them by 17, this is kind of a different team for Arkansas. It's a much different team for BYU, but for Arkansas, it seems much different. Yeah, our Arkansas, as I've watched film on the first two games, um, first off, K.J. Jefferson, their, their quarterback, is not – playing as aggressively in the run game as he was last season. Remember, he had a couple of concussions, and and they've lost Rocket Sanders, Raheem Sanders, who is a huge um, weapon for them. He had uh, nearly 1,500 yards rushing last season, um, 10 touchdowns rushing. He, he, he's a bona fide All-American running back. He's a, a starting type running back in the National Football League when he gets gets to that level, and uh, and he's out. And so I, you get the sense as you watch the film that that perhaps they've said to K.J. Jefferson, listen, we can't have you get knocked out. We can't have you get a concussion. Like, we have to have you in there. So you need to be a little more judicious when you're running the football. Because um, last year it felt like he ran like a crazy man. Like he'd break containment on a scramble and run up the field and run over three dudes and turn it back to the inside. He seems this year like he's buying time. He's keeping his head downfield, but when he does run it, he, he's getting down, he's getting out of bounds, he's not taking the hits that he was. And remember, he hurt BYU last year in big play situations when um, he, he'd run and go get a first. It'd be third and six. Everybody covered downfield. He'd take off and get nine yards and get a first down and, pro, and you know uh, prolong a drive, and then they'd go down and score. So um, he, they just seem to be a little less aggressive with him and calling fewer actual called run plays for him in their run game. Um, and he's a big weapon. Yeah. Remember, K.J. Jefferson is 6'3 and almost 250 pounds. He, they have him listed at 247. He, BYU had a hard time tackling him last year. Such a physical presence at quarterback. And he's a good thrower. You know, he, he's, he's a good thrower. And then... You know, A.J. Green's going to start at running back now um, w- without Rocket Sanders in there. Rocket Sanders is a 240-pound, three running back. And we, we we talked about his numbers. A.J. Green's very, very good. Yeah. But but he's more like a normal-sized human. He's 5'11", and he's 205 pounds. He's a normal-sized human running back. He's not Superman. Back. Right. And so they still have those tall receivers. They're 6'4", 6'4", 6'3". Um, but BYU's dealt with that, with, with a lot of teams they've played. Um it, it, it just does, they don't look as explosive offensively. But to me, in the first two games, Arkansas looked better defensively. Yeah. And Western Carolina, they beat them 56-13. Right. Kent State, 28-6. to I don't know if it says, uh, it kind of like with some things about BYU, is it the opponent or are they that good in, in certain areas? And I don't know if Western Carolina has got anything or Kent State. Uh, we didn't think, we knew Sam Houston would be, Athletic, and they were um, Southern Utah. We thought it would play them tough because if they played so tough down at Arizona State, but BYU handled them pretty good. Um, so we're going to find out a lot about these Hogs. They, the interesting thing about the Razorbacks is they play at number fourteen LSU a week from Saturday. Right. So now put your he- put yourself in the mind of a twenty year old playing football at Arkansas, uh, who is not a newcomer to the SEC or the Big Twelve or whatever. And you've got BYU, but you have LSU on the road in Death Valley the following week. You're not thinking about BYU. I don't care how many times a coach says, we're going to focus on BYU. It's BYU. It's BYU. It's LSU, LSU, LSU. Especially for Arkansas, that's their rival. They usually play on Thanksgiving. It's a league game. Um, It's at LSU. Yeah. You know, BYU probably had their attention last year. It's like, hey, this is a road game. It's up there. Um, 
But this is a pretty veteran Arkansas team. They're probably thinking, yeah, we played these guys last year, and we, we laid a bunch on them. Now they're coming down to our place, right? And, uh, and, and we should handle them, right? Uh, it, it's a little less easy to handle them without Rocket Sanders, but they probably feel like they can handle them. And you know those kids are going... But LSU's next weekend, yeah, right? We can't lose to LSU. LSU's next That's a weekend. conference game. And so so that plays into BYU's advantage, I think, for, for sure. That's a big, big game that's looming out in front of them. So we've got a lot to talk about about Arkansas. We'll answer your questions. The folks back in, in uh, Fayetteville are getting excited because there's a lot of BYU fans coming. And, DJ, let's listen to uh, our, our visit with Blaine Douglas. He is um, with the Alumni Association back there. And um, we talked to him just before we came on the air tonight because he's, he's got a bunch of church assignments. And you know what else is happening this weekend? On Sunday is the dedication of the uh, uh, temple there in uh, Bentonville, which is right next to Fayetteville. So they got a lot going on. But we got a couple of minutes with him to talk about the activities and all that's going on surrounding this game, as we do with every alumni chair heading to a BYU road venue and we'll talk with some folks from Kansas next week but tonight it's Arkansas and it is Blaine Douglas for a couple of minutes let's listen to that how excited is everybody to have the Cougars come into your region for the very first time oh this is a this is a big deal for us Um, I've been here in the area for 23 years and when uh when that game was announced several years ago that was circled on the calendar and uh and we're we're just ecstatic. Thousands of us in the community ready to go. In in fact, there's there's some there, but I'm sure there's some coming from all over the southeast to come. How many BYU fans are you expecting to show up for this game Saturday? You know, it's tough to say exactly. Uh, between the tickets that we sold from our alumni association, and then that the BYU ticket office sold, you're you're probably up in a few thousand there, and then. Um, the, a lot of people I know just bought tickets on StubHub or other 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 avenues. So, what activities do you have planned for alumni and folks uh, who are coming in? I know you have a quite an agenda. We we do. This is going to be three days of of, of incredibleness. We've got uh, on Friday we've got a golf tournament that, that we're doing. We uh, we connected with the local Arkansas alumni chapter and uh, agreed to do a friendly golf tournament with them. So we're going to pair two BYU golfers with two Arkansas golfers, and they're going to uh, they're gonna go, go through the 18 holes. And we filled that up, over 200 people between the two that are, they're going to show up to that golf tournament. Um, it, interestingly, in that golf tournament, uh, Spencer Linton is going to be there in the morning at, at 11 a.m. to broadcast BYU Sports Nation Fantastic. live. So, you know, folks that would like to come out, it's Dogwood Golf Course. You're welcome to come out and, and, and take a peek at that broadcast as well. That's some good stuff. What, what about service projects? I know typically when BYU comes into town, the local chapter heads up a service project. Do you guys have a service project planned this time? And and uh, what are the details? We do. Uh, on, on Saturday from 3 to 5, we've got our, our tailgate planned. And as part of that tailgate, we've uh, we've partnered with St. James Missionary Baptist Church in Fayetteville. Uh, they've got an, an excellent food pantry that the, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints has supported many times. And, uh, and so we're, we're doing something a little unique there where we've, we've talked with them about what types of food would they maybe not normally get that they would like to have. And, uh, and so we've got a list of food items that we've published and, 
And uh, we're, we're encouraging everybody who can to just come by, even if you can't come to the tailgate for a long period of time, come, come and drop the food by. It's going to benefit mostly the Marshallese and Hispanic community. So uh, it'll be a, it'll be a great event. Blaine Douglas, the BYU Alumni Chapter Chair in Arkansas, on the Wise Guys tonight ahead of BYU and Arkansas in Fayetteville. Is there a website where folks can go and get more information uh, as to what uh, you guys are doing? Yeah, the best place to go would be to our Facebook page. Okay, we, we've got we've got a Facebook page called NWA, meaning Northwest Arkansas uh, BYU Alumni Fans and Friends. Uh, so head, head on over to that Facebook page. You can see previous posts, including details about the, the tailgate and other things. There's a lot going on. That The, the uh, temple dedication is Sunday, the day after the football game. So what a weekend for anybody associated with BYU in Arkansas. There's no, there's no doubt. Uh, the, the way I think a lot of us are looking at that is uh, before we knew about the temple dedication, this was kind of the main event, the, the, the tailgate, the golf, the, the game. Um, now we're looking at, at, at those as just delicious appetizers, yeah. and uh, and the the main course is coming on Sunday for the de- for the dedication. We're, that, we're extremely excited for that. That's that's great stuff. For oh, I was going to ask you for a prediction, but not for the temple dedication because I think we know how that's going to go, <laughs> right? We, yeah. we we have a good idea of that. What about the game against the Razorbacks? What's your prediction for that game? Oh, boy, Blaine, I don't know. Um, I, I think both teams. I follow a little bit. Arkansas as well. I think both teams would admit maybe they haven't lived up to expectations their first couple of games. And, um, and so it's a little tough for me to, to, to say how it's going to go. I think it could be, could be a blowout either way, or it could be a close game. If I had to call it, I would say, I think BYU is going to, going to show well, um, put up a little bit of offense and, uh, and defense is going to show up. I'd say 27, 24 BYU. That's nice. My guess. nice. Right. I like well, it. I'm going to tune we'll in and watch that. that. We'll take that for sure. <laughs> hey, uh, one thing we're going to do real quick and we do it with every guest that comes on the show uh, and let everybody know back there about wise guys and that you're one of the headliners tonight with Dave Rose and uh, John Beck. Um, we got five quick questions for you. You ready? Sure. Okay. Your favorite sports movie. Oh, I'm going to go old school on this. When I was a kid, I watched The Natural, and that was oh, like my favorite sports movie. Is, is that Robert Redford? Yeah. yeah. It kind of has a Redford. Utah theme to it. It hits the ball into the lights. And... Yeah. Yeah, I remember it well. Um, your favorite singer or band? Oh. Can I go with the Tabernacle Choir? You can. You, you can. You'd be the first one that's done it. Has anybody done the tab, tabs? No. tabs? No, but... But uh, that's a great choice. I like it. It's a real. It's it's a safe one. It's very safe. <laughs> it's safe. <laughs> Your favorite breakfast cereal? Always ask everybody that. I'm going to go with Life. Mikey likes it. So I love Life. Do you do plain Life cereal? Because just before I came here, I needed a little energy, and I had some Cinnamon Life. But are you are you, you a know, regular I, Life guy or a Cinnamon Life guy? I, I like them both, but but if I had to go, I'm kind of a little more traditional. I'd go with the regular life cereal. Regular okay. old life. Right. Yeah, here's the thing. I think the regular life, it's kind of sneaky because it kind of feels like it's not a sugar cereal, but I'm pretty sure there's sugar all over that stuff. <laughs> so, all right, favorite yeah. ice cream? Uh, favorite ice cream. Okay, so th- this is key. Anyone who's coming out here for the game, yeah. if you get a chance, you got to go check out Andy's Frozen Custard. Oh, no good. Good recommend. A, a, a 
The triple chocolate concrete at Andy's Frozen is my favorite. Triple favorite chocolate concrete. Is that even triple legal? Triple chocolate concrete. <laughs> the, uh, what's the place in St. George where you can get a concrete? I can't remember. I don't know, but there's... But there's, triple chocolate concrete at, at Andy's. Yeah, it's Nielsen's Frozen Custard. Thanks, DJ, for that. Nielsen's Frozen Custard in St. George has concrete so right. and if you need other concrete there's a place at the point of the mountains been yeah making concrete that's right so there so there time. we go andy's frozen custard then he recommends the triple triple uh okay last one yeah your favorite byu moment oh all right so a, a few years ago um i took my uh my daughter and and, and my, my dad met us out here as well we drove up to the nebraska game oh and, uh, we were there for the tanner mangum hill mary and just celebrating in the stands that was that was an incredible moment in person away we didn't think we had a chance you know mm-hmm. fourth quarter there with Taysom out that was amazing that was pretty amazing dave and i were right on the goal line we were watching you guys celebrate uh, we were right on the goal line on the field <laughs> right by where he caught that ball and first thing we turned to each other and said did he get it across the goal line we knew he caught it but we didn't know if it was across what a what a moment and that it was. was were you like us at, at that blaine we felt like those fans at Nebraska and the people that hosted uh, a BYU there were phenomenal. Were they that way with all of you as well, the, the regular fans in the stands? Oh, yeah. And then we, we weren't even in the BYU section. We were in the middle of a Nebraska section, and they were very nice, talking all game long. Yeah. Uh, they, they were great fans. Oh, we, thought, we thought they were a great example of sportsmanship. And, of course, it's easier when you beat them, but it, but, but <laughs> we were very impressed. We've, we've said that should be a model for how BYU is. And I, and I believe BYU is also a great host. So Yeah, they've been pretty good. Hey, three days of incredibleness. We wish you the best of luck. Get the Cougs a win back there. And thank you for uh, helping set the tone for us here uh, on game week. Uh, Blaine Douglas, the BYU alumni chapter chair in Arkansas. We hope thousands of BYU fans get to know you this weekend. Thanks for joining the Wise Guys. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, Blaine. Thanks. All right. So that was just before we came on the air because he's got some serious church meetings he's taking care yeah, of tonight. With the, it's a with big, the temple, temple dedication. It's a big weekend in, in the Fayetteville, Bentonville, Arkansas area. Um, but thousands of BYU fans coming. And um, I think uh, our Arkansas folks will go, hey. Well, someone will say you guys travel well. And there are a lot traveling in. But there are thousands right there. That's right. where they live. And now they have a chance to put on their blue shirts and, and cheer on the the Cougs. Everybody always thinks around the country that BYU, everybody from Utah just travels to the games and a fair amount do, yeah. but, but BYU just has fans everywhere yeah. and they come in mass in whatever area they're in and local folks just don't understand that. Excited to get to Saturday night. By the way, John Beck's going to join us here in just a few minutes. We'll talk about Keaton Slovis, Zach Wilson and the Jets. And, uh, and what John thinks the keys are to beating Arkansas on the road on Saturday night. That's coming up in just a bit. It's our pleasure to welcome to the show former BYU basketball coach Dave Rose, who will be inducted into the Utah Sports Hall of Fame on Monday, September 18th at the Little America in Salt Lake City. He'll be enshrined along with skier Stein Erickson and Ted Ligety, fencer Julie Thompson-Seal, and sports writer Tom Wharton, who's had a great influence on me and my writing career. Dave, we welcome you to the wise guys from your uh, lair down there in southern Utah. Good evening. Good evening. How are you doing, guys? Great. Thanks for coming on with us. Hey, this this Hall of Fame thing, Dave and I are excited. You know that we're your biggest fans, right? So well-deserved. Well How did you find out um, that you were going into the Hall of Fame? Well, um, probably around uh, 
three or four months ago, uh, Joel Gardner um, just uh, called me out of the blue. I hadn't heard from Joel for years, and we were we were just just talking. And then he said, "Well, Dave, the reason I'm calling is because um, you've been selected to been chosen to, to to go into the Utah Sports Hall of Fame." And so I was. That's that's how it came down. We chatted for a while, and since then I've talked to Joel quite a few times. But uh, I'm I'm really really excited. I, I think that it's a uh, it's a obviously a great honor and one that uh, not only just uh, for me but for so many people that that helped me through uh, the years, uh, especially my time at BYU. I I. You know, I started at, at Millard High School here in Utah, and then went to uh, uh, to Dixie College uh, down in St. George, and then uh, ended up being at BYU. So uh, my path was uh, pretty well documented here in the state of Utah. That's for sure. Well, you deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. We think it's cool. And uh, well, thanks. Uh, uh, I, you've, you've, got, you've done so much, accomplished so many things. And you mentioned, let's stick with the theme for a moment. There's so many people who helped you along the way. Uh, none more than your wife, Cheryl. It's not easy being a, a head coach's wife. And so she too gets to go in the Hall of Fame with you. Uh, what has that relationship meant to you over all of the, all these years? Well, you know, I, I think that, um, you know, we, we we ended up we we met at uh, when I was at Dixie in St. George back in 1979. It was a long time ago, and and uh, we ended up getting married in, in June of uh, 1980. And uh, so she was not only uh, with me as a, as a player for you know a few years at the University of Houston, but we were also together you know through. Uh, it's it, 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 we just celebrated our 43rd wedding anniversary. So we've been uh, been together a while and been through a lot together. And this is one of the good things. So we're excited about it. You know, when you think back, as I was just listening to you say, you know, started at Millard High and then we were down at Dixie and then at BYU. And you think back to the beginning of that. And now we take a look back at your coaching career, and it, it really is remarkable, the success at every level, uh, the wins, the influence you've had on, on so many players and so many people. Could you ever have imagined the, at, the, at that start that it was going to lead to this phenomenal career and all of this great accomplishment? I, if, you, if, you th- if you think about just – the first year or two coaching at Millard High School. I mean, the the reason I actually took the job at Millard, I mean, we just graduated from the University of Houston, just come off a, a, a great season, you know, with uh, uh, our team there. And we played for the national championship and ended up getting beat in the championship game. And um, of all the places I thought that I would end up, I never, I, I, the last place I thought would be in, I'd end up at, a small high school in the state of Utah, but uh, that was the only head coaching job that was offered to me at the time. I had a lot of different uh, chances to to go be somebody's assistant or go help or you know be on a staff somewhere. But um, I didn't really know for sure that if I wanted to be a coach. Uh, I thought I did. And I thought that would be a pretty cool thing. But uh, so the reason I ended up taking that job was 
so I could jump right in and just see what it was like and and if it was something that I really was passionate about and something that I really enjoyed doing. And uh, it didn't take long until I, I figured that, that this was a, a pretty fun and a, a, a good way for for me to uh, make a living without really having to go to work. <laughs> <laughs> Former BYU basketball coach Dave Rose is on the Wise Guys, live on YouTube, Facebook, Twitch, and wiseguys.com. Bring in your questions on our live stream from all over the world tonight. And a lot of folks asking about your health. Since retiring from BYU, it's been such a challenge with a major heart attack and a stroke and cancer treatments. And and um, I know you're feeling better, kind of on a good run these last 18 months. Give us an update on how you feel. Yeah, I, I, you know that's um, and that's been something that's been quite uh, unexpected for us. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we I, I coached for you know ten or so years. Um, you know, being diagnosed with with cancer, and it, it's an uncurable type of cancer, something that uh, I'm I'm actually really fortunate because uh, pancreatic cancer is. Uh, uh, is, is one of the deadliest cancers around. And I was fortunate to get a, a form of pancreatic cancer that was manageable, but it just was not curable. And so I've been dealing with it, you know, for the, those years. And I, and while I was coaching, I was, I had treatments and I had, you know, surgeries and a lot of different things. And that was a, a you know, a whole nother uh, process. And, and my coaches were so good with helping me to, manage that and still being able to to coach our team but uh it was, it was my my wife is the one that i feel bad for because you know when, when i retired i just thought that we would have you know a lot time to where we could do all the things that yeah. we wanted to do you know and we thought we could and four months later i ended up having a heart attack and then um a year later I had a stroke and uh then because of those things um, the actual maintenance of the cancer and trying to control it, it got put on a different schedule. And so the cancer returned and they ended up having a major surgery, you know, like you said, a year and a half ago, um, in just in uh, January. And that's, that's been a tough one. That's been, been hard to, uh, uh, kind of recover from, but, um, we moved here to St. George and finally got in our home and uh, things things are a lot better. I, I I still get up there to Huntsman every three months, and they uh, we're back on a routine. And hopefully, we can stay on that routine for quite a while, and we can enjoy the time here. You know, we, we people ask us about you, and we we got to be really close for over all those years. You were very patient with us. We were we were saying before you came on that on, on shoot around days we just have uh, it was like we were psychologists for each other. You were talking us off a ledge. We were talking you <laughs> off a ledge. We weren't even talking about basketball. We'd get to basketball at some point, but but we were close to you. And people would ask us, and we would just say, just hey, just know Dave's one of the toughest people we know. Period, because we knew what you were going through. Those health challenges. It's challenging enough to be a division one college basketball coach with all the pressure that comes with that. And then you had to deal with all of that. What did those challenges teach you about yourself over all that time? Well, I'll tell you what, um, it, it, it taught me to uh, really trust and rely on other people to help you in through difficult times. And, 
and my, uh, you know, my assistant coaches, the guys that I had, uh, my staff, um, uh, the, the staff that was there at BYU. Uh, and we're talking, you know, a lot of people from, you know, your sports information people to uh, your travel people to, you know, uh, your medical staff. I mean, all those people uh, were working so hard for the players and, but, but, but in, in, you know, in return, it was that they were, they're basically, they're working for, for, for us, for me to try to make this happen. And, and I can't ever give, give uh, enough credit to my assistant coaches. I mean, they were terrific. They, they, they weren't like assistant coaches. I mean, they were like my best friends. Yeah. I mean, they were guys who not only, you know, took care of a lot of basketball responsibility, but, uh, they they became you know lifelong friends that uh, you know basically took care of me took care of my kids took care of a lot of things uh, while we you know faced the challenges that we had. I uh, I interviewed all your assistants uh, I think all of them uh, for an article that's coming out in the Deseret News uh, later this week and I think what was interesting and in the the underlying theme in in everything even from Jimmer and 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 some of the guys. Um, when talking about you, it all comes back to you loved your guys, your players, and your staff, and they all knew it, which I think is a tremendous compliment. Because a lot of times we don't like to show those kind of things. You know, we got to be big and tough and all this stuff. And and you went through all that you just described, but but your players and your staff knew you loved them, and uh, that's a tremendous compliment. I, I'm not sure if there can be a better one. Well, to, to me, that was the funnest part. I mean, I – um, I, I just I felt like I had an entire career of, uh, of, of just great players, great guys, but uh, just being able to uh, kind of wake up every day and not ha really have a job. I, mean, I woke up every day and kind of had a hobby. And those guys, uh, the, the one thing I think that we, we always had is we had guys who loved the game and not only from our coaching staff, but to our players, to uh, the players' wives, to the uh, you know the support staff that we had, and you know I th there's there's so many people that were so important, um, but uh, you know Terry Nashif and and Tim Lacombe were um, you know two of my best friends during that time and still are today. So uh, and you know I mean I got a great relationship with Dave Rice and. I mean, just it, it's just amazing to Heath, me. Uh, Heath Schroyer says hello, by the way. Heath Schroyer, <laughs> the friendships, and I, I, you know, I had a chance to to uh, coach together with Heath when I was we were on Steve Cleveland's staff yeah. years ago, and then then Heath came and worked for us for a year, and and then he uh, ended up taking a job at McNeese State. Now he's the AD at McNeese yeah. State, but we've had. Uh, uh, just, you know, and, and Quincy Lewis, I mean, Quincy was on my staff for a few years, but I felt like Quincy was on my staff the entire time because I was always getting his players. And his players <laughs> were always really good for me, you know, the, the kids that came out of uh, Lone Peak High School and uh, how successful they were for us there uh, for quite a while. So I uh, I was very, very fortunate. I ended up with Lee Kamard on my staff mm -hmm. at, the, at the end there, and, uh, you know, Lee – uh, not only played for us, but, uh, you know, he, he was, a, um, you know, terrific uh, graduate assistant for years. And then, 
came on my staff. So, I mean, they all have a history and they all uh, provided quite a, uh, uh, a benefit to me personally, but also to BYU because uh, they, they did a lot of work and, uh, and, and no one will ever, I mean, that's, that's the sad part is that the head coach gets the blame uh, and gets the credit, but really it's the, 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 the credit goes to so much to the people that help you. And, and, and not only, like I said, not only from your, uh, your immediately staff, your immediate staff, but from your support staff. I mean, those guys were, it made going to work every day really fun for me. You know, as a player, Dave, you reached the national championship game. You're captain on that Houston Cougars team. As a coach, you won 348 basketball games. That's that is remarkable. Which was more fun, playing or coaching? Which which do you, which was the most fun? Well, I I, I think you know I'll always say that uh, you know playing the game was was so fun for me. But to be able to make a career out of a sport, you know, like I say, I feel, I feel like, you know, a, a, a lot of those days um, when, when you didn't win or when the season ended on a loss and you didn't win the, win the championship at the end like you wanted to, those, those were hard times to get through. But when you consider, uh, you know, the, the, the amount of teams that I coached and the schools that I was at and, and the guys I got to be around, uh, I, I, I still I, I feel like I was really fortunate because I, I, I kind of made it through life without having to work. And, uh, I got to play all the time. Listen, you've said that three times, and we know that being a head coach is nothing it's but work. work. <laughs> yeah, but I, I, I'll, I, I will tell you this. It's, uh, it's, it's interesting to watch, uh, you know, friends of mine and even my, my kids, uh, you know, and – and watch their their lives and their jobs and what they do, and uh, their 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 theirs life is much harder than mine. That's for sure. Dave, we're the ones that have the easy job. Dave and I, McCann, because we don't have any responsibility to win. We we always say our broadcast is undefeated. We've never lost a broadcast we've ever done. That's the that's the yeah, easy job. Undefeated. Right? You don't you don't ex- you don't experience the the winning and losing. You know personally, but uh, you. Uh, I'm sure you'll both agree it's way, way funner to co- cover a winning team than it is to oh, cover a team. Well, yeah, probably. you're a lot more pleasant <laughs> yes, when you're winning. Absolutely. we got to yeah. interview no anyway. No doubt about it. So. <laughs> Former basketball coach at BYU, Dave Rose, and soon-to-be Hall of Famer on the Wise Guys. Coach Rose had six consecutive seasons of 25 wins or more. So, as you mentioned, you came to BYU with Steve Cleveland. And just a few more questions for you tonight. We're so glad to have you on the show. Um, you guys – you guys take over after a one and twenty-five season. So, what are you the most proud of in the turnaround? I mean, there were games and there were moments in this and that. But as you look back, first of all, no coach in BYU history ever inherited a one and twenty-five the year before, and that's what you guys got. And um, and and Steve Cleveland in the in the paper coming up will tell his story of how you and he came to be. But what are you most proud of in the turnaround? Um, I think the, the, again, it comes back to my relationship with Steve. I mean, we, we, we spent a, um, you know, an eight year period there where we were best friends yeah. I mean, there wasn't anybody who he relied on or I relied on anymore, you know, than each other. And it was, uh, you know, really kind of a special time. Neither one of us had really experienced 
the challenge that we were in for as far as trying to rebuild the team and get the t- team back to a championship caliber team. And, uh, and that was uh, something that the both of us will, I think will always remember as one of our greatest accomplishments, just being able to take a, a team that was really challenged and in a, a very difficult spot. And a few years later, you know, being able to win the, Mountain West Championship, you know, those, those were unbelievable days and, and fun times. And, you know, Steve's been a dear friend for, for years. Um, and I, I really, I never expected him to leave and to take that, you know, he ended up taking the Fresno State job. And, and uh, but, but uh, you know, when he did leave, I was really fortunate that uh, President Samuelson, you know, thought that I could handle it and I had an opportunity and, of all the things that happened to me in my career, I would I, I would think I, I could say this pretty safe that uh, when I went to BYU as an assistant coach, the fact that I became the head coach at BYU is probably the most surprising of anything. I hmm. I really felt that uh, my opportunity would be somewhere else if I ever got it, but. Uh, uh, I was pr- pretty surprised when it turned out the way it did. I turned that opportunity into into great things. I think back through the years, and people ask me, they ask Dave, what's the most fun you've ever had broadcasting? And I always go back to, well, those couple of years when Jimmer was going nuts were, were pretty fun to broadcast. When I was doing the, the games where you guys played San Diego State. So, so you're coaching through Jimmer Mania. Did you ever allow yourself to just sit back and just watch him do his thing? Could was there a time during that when you could just step away from worrying about being the coach and just enjoy that moment of of Jimmermania? I, I I think that uh, I I enjoyed most of it because uh, my, you know my guys were uh, my coaches were you know, doing all the hard work and uh, I was kind of getting all the credit for Jimmer you know being Jimmer and in reality it was. It was Jimmer and, and Jackson and, you know, Noah Hartstock and the, the guys that were uh, making it making it work. But uh, Jimmer was a, a obviously and still is a special player. And, uh, I was really, really fortunate that uh, he chose BYU. And, uh, and uh, you know, when he came out, came to BYU, just uh, really blossomed and become a, uh, one of the all-time greats. I mean, I, I think that uh, – you know, when Jimmer broke Danny Ainge's scoring record, I just thought, my goodness, that 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 record has stood for so long, and I, I don't know if it'll ever be broken. And then Tyler Hawes comes a few years yeah. later, yeah, and and he breaks the the scoring record. And I I, I think that uh, you know th- those years with Jimmer, I think Jackson made us such a good defensive team. We 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 were really uh you know good on both sides of the ball i think you know tyler's teams were some of the best offensive teams in the country at the time and uh i th- i think that uh um those were those those were fun ways to to, to coach and and f- fun ways to play and uh, uh, I just wish we could have won a few more games uh, at the end of the year each year. So let me, t- so so you're on the sideline and and the game's going back and forth and the place is full and and Jimmer's doing his stuff and he steps over half court and puts up a shot. Did you ever just think, what in the world were you, what are you thinking, shooting from right there, or was it just like shots going up? Yeah, and it's probably going in. What what what's, what was well, your you perspective? Know, it, it's funny that I've, I've been asked that quite a few times and. 
I can honestly tell you what I was thinking is that just make it, okay? <laughs> because, because if you make it, then I don't look silly and you're, you're going to be fine because, you know, he's going to end at the end of the game. You're going to end up with, you know, his 25, his 30, his 40 points. But I'm going to look really silly if all the long ones you shoot, you miss. So make a few of those long ones and they'll make me look better. There was that tournament game against, against Gonzaga. Mex- or, or I was thinking the New Mexico one. Yeah, for when he broke oh, the scoring argument. Yeah. In Gonzaga, when you blew him out um, the year before they joined the WCC, he took a shot. There's a CBS put out a clip during the yeah. tournament. You're standing where a coach stands, shouting, and he comes down. He's right next to you, and he, without hesitation, he launches a shot, <laughs> buries it. The place goes nuts, and you look like a genius. He. Uh, he was a confident shooter, and uh, <laughs> to say the least. And uh, you know, we we went through a lot t- t- together. And uh, I think I've I've told this story to you guys before, but uh, you know, we had some really tough challenges that year. And, and uh, you know, when Brandon Davies uh, yeah. was suspended and didn't play the last couple games, um, I had Jimmer and Jackson in my office, and uh, going through you know, the, the process of what I was going to have to do and go down and address the team. And I would, I just wanted them to know where we were and what was happening. And so uh, the, the conversation in the office is over and Jackson gets up and leaves and Jimmer gets up and then Jimmer comes back and puts his head through the door. And he says, coach, listen, okay, I know we're going to lose Brandon. We're going to really miss him, but you figure out, Brandon averaged 12 and nine. You figure out how to get the nine point nine rebounds. I'll get the 12 points. <laughs> it's like yeah. a scene out of Hoosiers, a movie. They, they make movies out of that kind of stuff. It, it's just crazy. But, uh, you know, he ended up with, uh, he had quite a run then too. Yeah. We, yeah. we ended up getting beat by Florida in the, uh, in the sweet 16 in overtime and not in, uh, down in new Orleans. And, you know, that, 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 that comes to my mind quite a bit because I was, as close as we got and a, a pretty good chance to, uh, um, you know, to get to the elite eight and we would have played a Butler team that had upset number one uh, Pittsburgh at the time. And, uh, but uh, it, it, that wasn't to be. And, and so I guess, as they say, if it's, if and butts were candy and nuts, we'd all have a merry Christmas. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Jimmer told me, uh, the other day that uh, that you were the best coach that he has ever played for and he's been playing all over the place so you got that going well for that, that's really kind of him and and i i think that uh i i know i know that uh our relationship has always been really really good he i, I think i challenged him he challenged me um <coughs> His, his dad, Al, was terrific in the recruiting process. His mom was a little more difficult because uh, she didn't – I don't know if she at first wanted him to go all the way, you know, from Glens Falls, New York, to, to Provo, Utah. Yeah. Um, but uh, over, over the years, uh, we've developed a, a great relationship with uh, uh, the Fredette family, and uh, I'm just so happy for, for Jimmer and just how he, he's – uh, he's grown as a person and he's got a beautiful family and a wonderful place there in Denver. And you know, now he's, uh, 
He's making that Olympic bid. Yeah. Know, which, yeah. Uh, Jim Romania is going to go international. He's going to come back again in three-on-three, three, right? <laughs> it's, it's, it's unbelievable. And, and if you watch some of those games, I mean, that game is suited perfect for him because uh, he, he can get that pretty quick and get it off and uh, scores a lot of points for that that three-on-three three team. He's going to bring a gold medal back. Yeah, exactly. I think that would be great. Jim Romania all over again. Hey, we, we want to ask you a little bit about the Big 12. Kind of interesting because your alma mater – and BYU are now in the same league in basketball, which is who would ever thunk that, mm-hmm. right? And and so so BYU this season ahead, Big Twelve is that's the real deal. How, what how do you see BYU coming in first in this first season? Then then how do they get to the point where they can compete in that league on a regular basis? Well, that's uh, that's going to be interesting. I. Uh... I'm excited for them. I think that the, the challenge is, is tremendous. The, the change in, uh, you know, in, in the division one basketball now with, uh, you know, NIL and, and the, the players being able to uh, be paid and make money, I think is going to be really a huge adjustment. And when you, when you talk about the, it's a kind of a double whammy, you got, you got the adjustment of, of that and being able to pay your players and, trying to increase, you know, the, the, the talent level of your teams to compete in a, one of the best basketball conferences in the country. I mean, it, it, they've got the, they've got their hands full right now. And uh, I, uh, I, I really, you know, um, both those guys, Cody and Mark both work for me and, and they're two of the best coaches uh, around. And I know if anybody is up for the challenge, uh, it's those guys. And then uh, I, I have all the confidence in the world that they'll get it done, but it'll be very interesting to watch how it happens. Yeah, for sure. All right, we have five quick questions for you, and we'll let you get on with your night, and then we'll see you up here next week for the Hall of Fame induction ceremony on Monday night here in Salt Lake City. Five questions. We hit up everybody for these, and uh, there's no prep, so yeah, this is just straight First Dave thing Rose. that comes to the top of your head, that's so everybody gets to know you. And we always yeah, start yeah. with this. Your favorite sports movie? Hoosiers. Why did, I'm not surprised by that one. Hey, Marie Osmond. That's Marie's uh, favorite. That's yep. her favorite, she too. She said that. Of course, she's married to Steve, so of course she had to say that. <laughs> Hoosiers is a classic. Yeah. Um, your well, fa- I, the, the, one thing, the one thing about Hoosiers that uh, makes it one of my favorite movies is the fact that uh, the, 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 the coach was, he was a crusty old guy, and a, a, a lot of people didn't really agree with him, but... Uh, um, he figured out a way to get those guys to win, and the whole reason they won was because the player came back and played. Yes, <laughs> right. The player, was, the player would have just stayed on the sidelines and not been there. Uh, and that's that's to me is how these games are won and lost. The players are the guys who get it done. That's for sure. Amen. Yeah. What, what was Dan, when we had Danny Angel? What was Danny's? Was Danny's Hoosier too? It could have been. Too? Might have been. Yeah. Yeah. So your favorite singer or band? Whoa. You know, over the years, uh, I'm I'm a music guy. I've been to a lot of concerts, and uh, I would say the Eagles is probably my favorite group, but journey over the years is the funnest for me because Cheryl and I have been to quite a few uh, journey concerts. And since Arnell came back, since they got Arnell, yeah. uh, uh, it's been uh, 
a whole new run for a bunch of old guys. You know, <laughs> uh, fun time. So the, the that would be one of my. They top. were yeah, awesome Eagles, at Stadium Eagles of Fire. And Journey. Those are like two absolute yeah. classics. Yeah. I love that. Those are two of my favorites as well. Dave likes ACDC. I don't know what he's thinking. He's a hard so, rock. guy. I got a so. big palette for the <laughs> yeah, music. But he's a hard rock guy. But yeah. he's a Vegas guy. You know, Vegas. Yeah. You got to do everything. Hard. You got to do right, it hard. <laughs> but he does like the Eagles and Journey. So, okay, your favorite breakfast cereal. By the way, Les from uh, Santa Fe is predicting that you're going to say Lucky Charm. So. Yeah, that's the. That's, <laughs> it's six to one that you're saying Lucky Charms, but we don't want to influence you. You got to speak fav- from your heart. My favorite breakfast cereal, um, gosh, the fr- sugar frosted flakes. Kellogg's. It would have to be over the course of my life. Yeah, but uh, you know, probably lately, the last ten years, uh, it would it would have to be. Uh, uh, I, I, my goodness, I can't even remember what I like. Honey, uh, honey, bunches honey bunches of oats or honey yeah, bunches, or honey honey bunches of oats. That's a popular That's one. I had Frosted Flakes this morning. Hey, the Frosted Flakes never went out of style. Yeah. Oh, never. No. Yeah. It, you can't go wrong. <laughs> so I, I have Frosted Flakes in, in the cupboard at all times. Yeah, you have to. Um, yeah. Uh, what did, Danny, told, Danny told us. Ainge. He went like, shredded wheat. He was shredded wheat, and we're like, "Please tell us oh. the kind that has the sugar on it, right?" And he's like, yeah. "No, no, straight, fresh, straight." And we're like, "Michelle's making you eat that crap because of your heart yeah. stuff, right?" And he's like, "And he admitted, he admitted." So, <laughs> so, okay. Your your favorite? Do you have a favorite victory of all time as a player, as a coach? Favorite win? Well, you know, I, I um, that that's probably. Probably as a player, when we beat Louisville in the you know the semifinals of the championship in Albuquerque yeah. mm-hmm. in the pit, and as a coach, um, my goodness, that's that's tough. Uh, I those those years with uh, with Jimmer, that the, the home games are so fun to win, and we, when we beat San Diego State at home was was so good. But uh, beating them on the road that year, the road games. Uh, when you beat a team on the road, but I don't know if anything beats the time we beat uh, when we beat Gonzaga at Gonzaga, yeah. and they had already announced that they were thirty and zero, and they ended up twenty nine and one. That was pretty. Funny. Yeah, it was in yeah. the newspaper. Like the newspaper had print pre printed it. Yeah, that was yeah. Pr- that was pretty special. And he beat them a few times up there. They didn't want to see yeah. anymore. Those um, those are all. Every one of those that you just mentioned are great. Are great memories. San Diego State <laughs> at home on the road. The Zags on the road. Those are all great memories for all of us. Right. Yeah. So, pretty cool. Okay, this one's the most important one. Your favorite advice ever from Cheryl, your wife. Oh, go fight, win. She told me that before every game. That's what and she said before every game. Go every fight, game. win. That's a coach's wife yeah. right there. There go you fight, go. Win. She's the best. Yeah. She's been so good to us over the years. Um, I, we, we I love can Cheryl. tell you this: that I I did go, and we did uh, we did win quite a few. I, I'm glad I didn't fight a lot. You know, we, uh, <laughs> we, we and and you think about that um, as announcers, it probably doesn't cross your mind much. But as a coach, there's a lot of times when things got really really hot, and you would kind of worry about your team getting in a fight. You know, yeah. And, uh, you talk about bad things happening when bench is clear, and I was fortunate that uh, my teams never got involved. Hey, listen, so when Hoffa when Hoffa's temperature went up, yeah, it was always at was risk. Possible. It was always at risk. <laughs> yeah, JT was he, he, yeah. he was uh, yeah. Uh, mostly people were mad at him. You know, Hoffa was mad at other people, but JT. <laughs> 
everybody would get mad at him. And uh, yes. we, uh, we, we had some some really fun, interesting uh, times together, especially on the road. So let's finish with this one because folks have been asking on the live stream and, and uh, I, I actually tweeted it out last week yeah. called No Jacket Required. Coach right, Rose right. is coming to Wise Guys. So you know what I'm talking about. The fastest jacket removal of all time took place in Vegas. I believe it was at the conference tournament. And you were either about to get teed up or you just got teed up. But I don't even think you could recreate how fast you got that jacket off and thrown down on the on the bench. Uh, that 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 was like an Olympic feat. How'd you do it, that? Uh, it was it was a it was quite a, a proud moment uh, with, my, <laughs> my, with my children. You know, my youngest daughter, Taylor, especially she uh, she thought that was a, a, a pretty good uh, a pretty good accomplishment for me. You know, look. She said, but she said I didn't really understand anything about, you know, social media or what it meant to be trending or whatever. But when she, you know, said, "Dad, you were trending on whatever," and uh, I said, "For for what?" She said, "Well, it just means that so many people were uh, excited about you throwing your coat off." And I said, "Well, I, I, I really wish we would have won the game. I would, I'd be way more excited about that. Listen, we've all come home from church. Those jackets don't come off that fast. I still don't understand how it happened. Yeah, impossible, but he did it. Yeah, hey. yeah, I was mad. I, I, will, I will tell you that. I, was, I, was, uh, I think I know the official you're mad at, if, oh, I, like, yeah. if I remember. Dave, you, I, I won't say this out loud, but there's still games that I do, and I go in, I'll watch the officials walk in, and I'll go, Oh, Dave hates that guy right there. That's his least favorite uh, official. He does not like that guy. I still you know, say over, that. Over the four years that uh, I've been going to the BYU games, basketball games, and and just and not coaching, and uh, I've been sitting there, you know, kind of on those uh, those courtside seats over there, and I I see those you know those referees come in, and a lot of those guys will see me and come over and say hello on the way out. That is the last person I want to see is one of those <laughs> referees coming over and trying to act like they're my friends, you know? Yeah. They yeah. weren't my friends. Those were the guys who they they were in, in charge of making my life a little more miserable than it actually needed to be. So Yeah. Uh, Listen, you're they, in the Hall they, of Fame I, and they're I, not I do I do res I do respect what they do and I do uh uh enjoy the relationships that I have with these guys, but my goodness, we we uh we had uh, quite a run during uh, those years trying to figure out how to handle those we'd, refs. We'd be, a shoot, we'd be a shoot around. We'd be talking to you, and somebody would bring us the game sheet, and we'd look at the officials, and and you'd look at him, and you'd go, "Oh, brother, no, not this, <laughs> not this guy." Like we we never would never say names. We'd never do it on the air, but we 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 yeah, right. and we'd agree. Yeah, we'd go, so. "Oh, Dave, not that." Like, yeah. "Oh, brother, this is going to not be good." Hey, the, the <laughs> one the one thing that I know. And I can say now is that they all tried their hardest. I mean, they, they weren't trying to be what I would consider maybe not at the top of their game, you know, but, uh, and for that effort, I give them all a lot of credit. There you yeah. go. Spoken like a man who's going into the hall of fame. That's right. That's right. <laughs> hey, uh, enjoy the ceremony Monday night. Thanks for being with us tonight. And, and a heartfelt congratulations from both of us. Yes, and Cougar well Nation on, uh, on a great achievement. There's, there's a lot of great athletes that have been involved in the state of Utah over the years, and and you're one of them, and you belong in the hall, and congratulations. Well, thanks, guys. I really uh, enjoyed our time together. I miss those uh, 
um, you know, as crazy as it sounds, when I was going through it, uh, the last thing I wanted to do before a game was sit down and talk with you guys. But, uh, uh, you know, after you, you don't do it for a while, you kind of miss it because we did it so many times. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> hundreds. Hundreds and hundreds of times we got together. Of times. And, 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 I, uh, and I got over asking you a question and getting that look of that's the dumbest question I've ever heard. Yeah. Look, from. We never took, we <laughs> I, never I took a personal. I, I don't think I ever. <laughs> no. <laughs> Coach, uh, give our best to share on your family. And, um, and uh, again, have a great time Monday night. You yeah. deserve it. S- sending you and the all family right. all, all our love for sure. Hey, thank you so much, guys, and thank, thanks for uh, following following a lot of those games and most of my career. I appreciate it. You got it. Our pleasure. And we'll have you back during the season as we break down this year one in the Big 12. All right. That'll be fun. Dave Rose heading to the Hall of Fame and uh, on the Wise Guys tonight, live from St. George, Utah, and that induction ceremony Monday night in Salt Lake City. And you can read more about his achievements and how inspiration helped bring him to Provo in my articles this week coming up at uh, Deseret.com. But uh, that's just awesome. We're going to go from one Hall of Famer to to uh, another one of the greats of all time. Our pleasure to welcome former Cougar quarterback John Beck, the personal quarterback of Zach Wilson, Jaron Hall, Keaton Slovis, Dak Prescott, and the list goes on and on. His high school practice is over, and he joins us live from California. John, welcome back to the Wise Guys. There's a theme here. Every time we have you or Dennis on, you're in a car. What's up with that? Well, do you know what? It's because I'm in between practices. Watch. I'm going to turn this real quick. That right there is the second part of the day. It's the Pop Warner period of the day. So Dennis okay. and I are just on the field with the high school team. And then I literally just drive five minutes up the hill, and I spend the next two-plus hours with two of my sons are out here right now in Pop Warner practice. Is there, is there anything better than that, though, than being out there? I got to do that with my boys. Is there, is there anything better than just being out there with your boys, John? I mean, I love it. I, I, I actually have three in tackle right now. So my Saturdays, I am on the field all day long. I mean, I'm not going to lie. Like, it's a grind. There are many gas station stops where I just, like, <laughs> let me just hydrate. Let me get out of the sun a little bit. But uh, I do love it. You know, I know this period of life is only going to be here briefly. So I try to soak it in as best I can. So, and John, John and John's dad and I are good friends and have known each other a long, long time back when – he was chasing John around, and I was chasing Kellen and Landon and Gavin around, and we we relished those those days when we got to be out with you guys when you were that age. Fantastic, and we'll try not to keep you away from practice too long. But man, there's so <laughs> much going on. I was on. just gonna say, I was gonna say, I think that's why this means so much to me is because I had such an amazing dad that he loved it, and yeah. because he loved it, we spent so much time out on practice fields, staying late, throwing balls in front of the house, like. I can still actually remember sitting in the field house watching my dad pole vault at BYU. Yeah, he was a tremendous back, pole vaulter. Yeah. And back back then, there was like a weight room just off the basketball courts because I can actually remember seeing football players enter and leave a weight room. And somebody gave me – it wasn't my mom. It was one of the players' wives on the football team gave me this little stuffed BYU ball, and I would stand by the doorway, and guys would poke their heads out and like flash me their hands and I can have like this memory of, I don't know, I must've been like four or five throwing balls and hearing the sound of like a weight room. And like those memories stick forever. And I try to give those type of memories to my boys. That's awesome. That's great. Hey, uh, 
One thing about sports is things happen that we just don't see coming. We saw it last night, and now oh. Zach Wilson <laughs> is back as the Jets starter after Aaron Rodgers injured and out for the season. Played a nice game and the win against Buffalo on Monday Night Football. Nice way to be ushered right back in. What did you think of the game, his performance, and I'm Zach moving forward from here? What What's on your mind? Well, this is wild because I think I'm going to say we – there's a group, right, that like everybody that's there to help Zach was excited for what this experience was supposed to be in terms of a season for him to watch one of the best to ever do it day in and day out, right? He got to watch him through an offseason. He got to watch him through training camp. Well, now it was supposed to be an opportunity to see how Aaron Rodgers does the season. So we were all looking forward to this opportunity for Zach. And then in a blink of an eye, it's now all of a sudden shifted gears into – another opportunity for Zach to be on the field. The good news is the positives. Zach's in a great place personally. He's in a very confident place. He's in a place of being excited to be playing. It's just not the way we all thought it was going to be. But if anybody that's been around the NFL knows the way things go, somehow that happens a lot, not the way you expect it. Um, I'm excited for Zach. It's going to be a tough road, man. They got to go to Dallas, and then they got to go to New England uh, or play against New England. Excuse me, I believe that's a home game. And then I think they play in Sunday night football I think they got uh, the Chiefs, if my memory's right. So it's going to be a tough road, but I am excited. All of these opportunities are opportunities for Zach to grow and develop as a player. And, you know, he's he's in a good spot. So we'll just let him roll and see how it goes. And you're so familiar with everything that's going on around him as you help him prepare. Are the Jets in a better position now around him for him to have more success this time? Absolutely. Um, I think the roster, and it's not a knock. I love the guys that were there. Um, good players, good teammates, all of that stuff. But the Jets did something with the roster because of it. If we're going to go out and bring Aaron Rodgers here, we have to make sure that we put together a a playoff squad around him, right? This isn't yeah. like a rebuild. This isn't like like a let's bring the youth up and let's develop the draft picks or let's find some young guys. Like this is like we're making a playoff run. That's the roster that was built around Aaron Rodgers, and that's the same group that's around Zach, and I love seeing some of the guys that were the draft picks of his year and the year after that are really turning into key players for that team. You look at what Garrett Wilson, only in his second year, some of the plays that he's making, it's awesome for a, have a guy like that around. I mean, like I think you saw that touchdown pass that Zach threw, that was a run play, and that, that was press coverage out there, and he just took it because he believed in the matchup. If you want to be successful in the NFL, you have to have that type of confidence in the guys around you, and I think – in terms of roster, there's far more confidence that will come from Zach in those type of throws. Do you think Aaron Rodgers will be his mentor on the sideline? Do you think that that will will continue through the season, or do you think Rodgers is just out? Uh, I mean, look, I think this is going to be a big blow um, to Aaron personally. Like, I think, you know, uh, to have him only play three snaps, right, especially <laughs> I believe that his mind was one of – making a playoff run, yeah. having a great year, potentially a Super Bowl. Like all of those things I believe were in his mind. So to have it in three plays be taken from you, um, I don't think this is going to be some easy thing where tomorrow he shows up in the facility with a smile on his face and, hey, well, I'm just going to go help Zach. Like Aaron's far too competitive of a guy for there to not be some time where he's going to have a tough time with this. But, you know, uh, I do think that Zach and – Zach's maturity matters to Aaron. Um, he's expressed that. He's he's always trying to help Zach. I do think there will be a time that after he kind of like 
grieves this thing and goes through this process of not being able to play, that then it will turn into an opportunity for him to to help Zach where he can. Blaine's going to ask you about Keaton Slovis. Uh, one quick question about Zach, and we'll move on. You got Zach against Dak. Yeah, your guys Sunday on CBS. Two of the guys you train. Um, two crazy good defenses. Two crazy good oh, defenses. Yeah. What? Uh, that's got to be kind of cool for you. Two of your guys going head to head. No, it is. It is. I mean, there's already been a number of texts of people being like, "Hey, are you going to the game? Like, you're going to be there, right?" Uh, you know, uh, I, I wish life was that easy that just at the drop of a hat, I could be like, yeah, I'm just going to go over to Dallas and, you know, all will be good with my wife and four kids back at the house. <laughs> right. Um, you can't go. You got three I, I, Pop Warner football games. I know. I know. And honestly, I love experiencing the games with all my kids watching the games. Right. And um, but look, it's one of those situations. I've been in this before when I have two guys that I train and spend a lot of time with playing with each other, playing against each other. I want to see both do well. I'm by no means sitting there rooting for one over the other. I just want to see good performances by both. And then however it shakes down, it shakes down. But the end goal would be that both guys play solid games, good decisions and stay healthy. Um, because like the worst is when you're there watching both guys and one guy doesn't finish the game, right? Yeah. That's, that's the worst part. Um, but I do want to see both do well. It is going to be a defensive battle. You talk about, you know, I mean, Dallas, they may be the toughest defense in the league this year yeah. because of that pass rush. Who knows? But then you look at the New York Jets and what they have. I mean, it is going to be a battle for sure for both quarterbacks. Yep, turnover margin. That's yeah. my key for that game. Hey, before before I ask you about uh, Keaton, John, by the way, listens in, and he, he's he's on the chat today, and he goes, he commented, he goes, <laughs> hey, once I pocket dialed John Beck, and he heard an entire fireside on the phone. <laughs> Do you remember that? <laughs> oh, my gosh. No, but that sounds like something that would happen between John and I. Yeah. <laughs> That's hilarious. John's a great dude. I got to know him back when I was at BYU, and he's actually come down and – Done a, done a fireside or two for like the stakes I've been in. So, to, uh, John, hello, buddy. How are you? <laughs> That's nice. That's awesome. So, yeah, she shared that. Then we got a guy on the chat called Bell Biv DeVoe. Like, come on. That's a great that's a great hip-hop band back from my time. And he, and, and he asks, do, does, do the Jets have enough in that offensive line to pass protect for Zach, especially against the front that you just talked about with that pass rush for the, for the Cowboys? I don't know if anybody – is going to be able to control the pass rush of the Dallas Cowboys. I, I, I mean, I just I've I've known because of following Dak and the off season and also their training camp. Like there's been practices that I've gone to. That defensive front has the ability to absolutely wreck a practice, and because of that ability, this may be a season if they can stay healthy where they cause a lot of problems for a lot of offenses. I just yeah. think it's going to be tough. Like, it's not going to be about do we have the men to just go mano y mano every single snap. Like, you like you don't. you got to find ways to be able to manage that. And then how can you get the ball out of the quarterback's hands? You don't want to just be asking the quarterback to stand in that pocket for an entire game over and over and over. Yeah, it's a great point. I want to ask you about Keaton Slovis a little bit. seemed to me um, to make some progress – timing with receivers, getting the ball out, all of that. Um, progress from week one to week two in the past game. Um, what, what's your assessment of how he progressed from week one to week two as you watched him? Well, there was a rhythm that was there in week two. Um, you could see, and it builds. I mean, you understand this being a quarterback. It builds. Like, when you get some completions, when you hit some plays, when you're not always so far behind the sticks, and then let's say you are behind the sticks, third and eight, third and ten, and you pick up a few of those – it's that rhythm that just kind of you like you're settled in, right? You find that groove and there will still be plays that may or may not work out. But 
I think the tough thing was that Sam Houston game. It was like there were periods where they couldn't get anything going. They'd get stuffed on a run, incomplete pass. Oh, we do complete a pass. Oh, penalty. Sorry. Bring it back. Now we're really behind the sticks. That's what it felt like. And I've made the comment before, like there were plays in that game where Sam Houston had guys that were in a spot based off of blitzes, little twists that were happening. It was a little bit of situational fortune of just like, man, we called the perfect blitz. Oh, man, our little twist happened to put us in the right spot. There were some of those. Um, but, you know, this week I just liked it. Like all, there was also a variety of throws. You saw Keaton take the underneath choice route a number of times. You saw him get the ball out of his hand fast. Then you saw some downfield routes. He let them develop, and we were able to hit those, like, 14-yard stop routes, those deep crossers versus man coverage. Takes a little bit longer. I, I just think there was a comfort level, and it may not just be with Keaton's comfort level. I think he was pretty comfortable heading into the Sam Houston game, but I just mean when you start completing balls, it's that rhythm of, okay, good things are happening. Yeah. And I Amen. think that was the difference. Amen. Former Cougar quarterback John Beck's on the Wise Guys, live on YouTube, Facebook, Twitch, and wiseguys.com. We're going to ask you about your social media project that you've got going here yeah. in a moment. Before we get to that, Keaton's getting to Arkansas on Saturday. Um, it'll be his 35th start against a P5 defense. How valuable is that for a team that, that's never played there before? And what do you expect from him Saturday night? It's big. Look, I'm a believer in Keaton. Obviously, you know, um, everybody knows that. That's why he's, you know, playing at BYU. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's a guy that I believed in, and I'm only going to recommend a guy if I feel that way about him. Um, so I, I, I love that we have a guy like that at the helm. Um, it does matter the games you've played in. It matters the amount of times that you've played against a speed of defense like that, whether it's physicality, whether it's speed, whether it's total athleticism on the field it does make a difference. Um, and so to have a guy with that experience, comfort level, I think it's going to help. The other thing is beyond BYU, right? Keaton's ability to have success in those games is only going to fare him better as he prepares for the NFL, mm. right? When NFL teams put tape on, like they're not going to pull up the SUU game. That's the reality. That's not a knock to SUU. That's just the reality. Most right. coaches watch about six games of guys to really get an idea then if they want to dive deeper, they go watch other games. But that initial, when they're filling out their booklets, it's usually six games, right? And as they watch those six games, they're going to they're gonna look at what games did the guy have good stats in, what games did the guy have poor stats in. And then they're going to look at who the opponents were. Why did he have success against this good opponent? Let's peek at it. Why did he not have success against this opponent that's also a good opponent? Let's look at it. So to me, you know, as Keaton just continues to develop as a quarterback – Yes, he's got 35, and he's going to get, what, another, like, eight more this year, eight more plus. Like, all of that is just going to bode well for him as he moves forward. You know, the word has it um, that Cody Epps will be back in the lineup this week. Uh, for the first time since game eight of last season, um, so give him a full stable of resources. The group that he thought he'd have at wide receiver to start the season, he didn't have Keanu the first week, had him last week, now he's going to get Cody back. Does that make a difference for him? Is having Cody back uh, help? Absolutely. Um, you know, Cody's going to be a key player in the offense. And I'm going to jump back to the Sam Houston game, whether it was inexperience, whether it was, you know, the receivers that were filling those spots, maybe didn't really have a firm understanding or grasp of some of the responsibilities. There were errors made in the block in, in the blocking. There were errors made on some of the routes, you know, and uh, 
that makes a difference. You know, some of those run plays that they need to have an edge guy at a point of attack, or you need to be able to get that nickel that comes off the edge. If you're the slot receiver, like all of those are impactful because that sets up the offense for down and distance situations, right? If you miss that nickel off the edge on a run play, you get stuffed to line of scrimmage. Now it's second and 10. Well, what's your play call? Because if, if you run the ball again and you get stuck, now it's third and long. If you pass the ball and it's incomplete, now it's third and long again, right? Like all of those things matter. So to have experienced guys back on all aspects of the game will be a benefit. And then Cody's the starter because of the things that he can do from a receiver standpoint, because of the trust that Keaton has in him, the ability to get open, to have that guy back is absolutely going to make a difference. The running game has uh, sputtered a little bit out of the gate. Um, now the opponents are going to get bigger and stronger. How much of a ground attack does BYU need for Keaton to have that kind of pressure relieved a little bit so he can chuck the ball down the field? More than what they've had. Um, I'll just be blunt, right? Yeah. If you're going to go into Arkansas and the teams that we play beyond Arkansas, you're going to have to have more than what you've produced up to this point. I, I, like, I think the scheme, the scheme is our scheme. It's what A-Rod's going to do. It doesn't need to be a shift in our beliefs or our scheme. It just needs to be a little bit better execution, and we can anticipate it's also going to be against, you can say, a better quality opponent. So it's a big challenge, right? Um, it's hard to say, oh, I guarantee this is going to work when you look at what they've done against Sam Houston State and SUU, and now they got to go down and play you know, a slate of Arkansas and other Big 12 teams coming up after that. There are some things that they got to find it, however it's found, whether it's uh, the intensity in practice, whether it's better understanding of scheme, whether it's more time uh, in like some O-line combo settings, you know, inside run type stuff. However they find it, there does need to be another level found because that does take pressure off Keaton. And the other thing it's going to do, it sets up the play action game. If you look at some of these games, BYU hasn't really been firing on all cylinders quite yet. I know we got the little throwback to Isaac. Uh, but there was a few plays in the play-action game where we got lucky because SUU botched their underneath man coverage. At many times, they had two guys running with kind of like our tight end coming back on that. I call it a sift block back on the edge. There was some confusion in some of their schemes. If the other team doesn't have the confusion and they're bringing it a little bit more, we have to be able to not only establish a run game to set up the play pass, but also be able to block in the play pass game so it's going to be a challenge both ways but when the run game is efficient you look at the years of zach wilson jaron hall some of those plays that were just daggers like picking up 18 to 24 yard gains on first down off play pass it's because of the run game it's some of those huge chunk yardage runs that tyler algier was getting it's just it's the consistency of the run game that really sets things up yeah yeah and we we noticed uh, john that in that in that first game sam houston I must have said it a hundred times that following week. I'm like, you have to, people are talking about third down production. You're going to be terrible in third down if you can't get any production on first down because you're immediately behind the chains. And, and series after series, they got nothing out of first down. And it was no wonder with all the third and longs that they were, they were struggling. And so, you know, I, your, th your thought on that, and I, I feel like at Arkansas, they've got to be productive and get something out of first down um, if they're going to have success down there. Am I off base or is that is that? Oh, 100%. Like, if you talk to coordinators in the NFL, when they call a first down run play, they're thinking four yards. And I cannot stand, I do not ever want to, like, teams that get into the run on first down always, I can't stand it, right? Like, you don't want to 
always run on first down. Like I love some of the plays that BYU utilizes where it's an inside running play, but then if they don't match numbers out on the edge, let's take advantage of it in like the now screen game. Like I love those plays because it's all a numbers thing. If you go back two years ago and you look at Alabama when they won the national championship with Mac Jones, so many of their first down play calls were these, hey, we have a running play over here and we got a quick screen over here based off of numbers. And we are going to run that to death on first down because it's not off of play calls. Now it's off of the defense. But going back to what the coordinator of the NFL would say, he'll say, if I choose to go run on first down, I need it to be at least four yards. Because if I can then play call at second and six, I got the full arsenal of play calls. If we get stuffed on first down, now what do I go to on second down is going to be so critical of then how I end up on third down, right? You're actually limited on what you can call on that second down. And same thing with penalties. First down penalties crush Killer. you on drives. Yeah. It's crush you. So you got to be smart. Also, you got to know based off of personnel, based off of matchups, am I asking somebody to set an edge or get to somebody that could put them in a bind because I don't also want to set up my guy for a hold. So, man, first down play calls, like, it's critical. It's critical. But that's also why I also like to be a little bit – and this may come across wrong because we're saying we need to establish some yardage on first down. But once you do start to establish that yardage on first down, go be aggressive. Go do something that is a little bit risky because at times you can get the biggest gains when you've set up that first down consistency to then, all right, I can be aggressive right here. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. That's okay. But I'm going to potentially take a shot right here. John, you sound like somebody who should have a website where people can subscribe (laughs) and get all this stuff that can help them and their kids understand the game of football. Uh, And you have that. Tell us about your project. It's coming along. You know why they do it. It's kind of been that like discussion for a while, like, hey, should I do something like this? And, you know, people have come to me kind of like, hey, man, you ever thought about doing something like that? So it's all these different things happening. And, you know, to be honest, I'm kind of figuring it out as it's going. Um, I'm piecing things together. I have not been somebody that's done a lot on social media, the Internet, all that stuff. But I love football. I am a football guy. I love all the aspects of football. And so I just, you know, I'm trying to share information. I'm trying to share what I see. Um, And it's for everybody, right? It's for fans. Um, It's been cool to have some people that are connected to me that are already kind of giving some feedback. Hey, my brother-in-law loves your stuff. Or, hey, my friend just called me and said he spent a bunch of time today watching the videos. That's great. So I love the feedback, and I love that it's for everybody, like you said. Like, if I was a high school quarterback back when I was being recruited by BYU, if there was anything out there that was going to give me some insight on what that offense was doing, I would have been all over it. When Gary Croton got the head coaching job at BYU, I can remember just trying to find any Bears tape I could find because, oh, my gosh, here's a guy from the NFL, right, that he's coming. And I remember looking up stuff of, uh, oh, my gosh, I'm trying to remember his name. He actually was from Tim Rattay down at Louisiana Tech. I remember trying to find stuff there of like, well, let me see what this is going to look like, you know, and uh, as as a coach, I am always watching stuff that can help me add a new wrinkle to what I'm trying to do. Right. I love learning about the game. I love, you know, following people that put stuff out there. And so I'm kind of joining that club and it's geared towards BYU, right? The fan base that, you know, means a lot to me, the team that means a lot to me. And I'm just trying to do a good job of putting good information out there. So where can people find it? Uh, Why they do it.com. Um, and then online, we're at why they do it. I think there's a bunch of underscores underneath there um, on Twitter. That's kind of the main two places that I'm putting that stuff out there. And, okay. you know, each clip is about like, you know, anywhere between like four to six minutes. It breaks down about a, 
you know, 10 to 12 plays each game. And I'll start doing stuff also on Arkansas this week, some of their coverages and things that they do. But the goal is that fans can get a chance to see what BYU did in the game, why the concepts, like why they're running it, what they're attacking at times, right, how they can do things better. Uh, on some assignments and I'm not trying to call players out by any means I'm just saying based off of the scheme here's where we missed out right here here's where this needs to get a little bit better and then defensively I just like looking at the opponent Um, I love the aspect of breaking down an opponent and all right how can we beat these guys what do they bring to the table what's the matchup going to look like it, 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 it's fun, and sometimes it's more simple than people think. So on the chat, somebody early, before we had you on, um, asked the question, why did BYU get beat on that post um, in, in that game where the receiver ran right down the middle of the field and the safety didn't stay back? And we, we covered that one on After Further Review today, and we actually diagrammed it out. And, and, and sometimes it's really simple. And then they go, well, Why? And I'm going, well, because they're playing three deep and the safety was supposed to stay in the middle of the field deeper than the deepest guy, and he didn't. And they go, but why didn't he? And I'm like, that is a great question right there. And that's the question that Jay Hill's asking. Why didn't he? Why didn't yeah. he stay on top of that? Who knows what goes through a player's mind sometimes? Even on the most simple things, you know, play, players maybe look someplace else or they're distracted or whatever, and people love when you can kind of break that down from. And sometimes it's really simple. Hey, Les from uh, Santa Fe says, love the Beck videos. Great personal film study, becoming more knowledgeable. So there's uh, some initial feedback from, from Cougar Nation. John, let's finish with this last question. And this is going to say a lot about your uh, personality and inner confidence. There we go. Uh, and we, we like to have those right. as we wrap up. Is this what I like Blaine's like fastest three or something like no, that? No, no, no. no we did, we we've did, already done that. We did your five. So you've done that. We this, have that. That's this on one record. Hits. That's in the books for all time. Yeah. Unless you changed. Right. You this didn't one, change your right. breakfast cereal, did you? You didn't change your breakfast cereal. No, no, cereal. no. And I actually, I remember you guys asked me my favorite band was revolution and you're like who's that i actually went to their concert this summer <laughs> see he's he's living he's, he, he's not changing so if you're not changing we don't need to yeah. if if we have you on and you're like hey by the way guys i've completely changed i need to do the fast five again we'll, we'll do, do it again but, yeah we're easy but, yeah. but this is different this one goes to your core right. uh you threw for eleven thousand twenty-one yards during your time at byu if you add up all of slovis's yards from usc pittsburgh and two games at byu he has ten thousand four hundred and sixty-six. That leaves him 556 yards away from passing you. You're his coach. Is this where the student tops the master, or is this where the master says it doesn't count because you weren't at BYU long enough? Oh, I don't care about that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> the only one that matters is those dang 300 yards that Max, like, because Max reminds me of it. Oh, a number of yes. Times. Ma- Max likes to bring that up every once in a while, you know? The data is um, important to Max. That, that is. That is. <laughs> I mean, look, the, I think, to me as a coach, the thing that would be the best feeling ever is when my guys succeed. And so if success equals yardage that surpasses me by whatever, I mean, it doesn't matter, right? Because at this day and age, like, those yards were a lot of fun. Do I wish there was more yards that we could have got? Yeah. Do I wish there was more wins we could have got? Yeah. But those days, to me, that's like a lifetime ago, right? Like, that's not what's important now in my life. Like, the things that are important in now in my life, it's my family, my relationships. It's the impact that I have on the people around me. And with my quarterbacks, I want to see them succeed, right? And whatever it is that is equal success, if it's crushing some stat and all that, like, awesome. I couldn't be happier than when I see the guys that I put a ton of effort into having good things happen. And so to me, that's it. That's why, you know, I mean, look, Keaton and I had a lot of conversations back in the summer of like, 
look, Keaton, I just, at the end of the day, I want this to be a good experience, you know? So to me, I want to see him throw for as many yards as he possibly can. See, that's why you're above the fray. That's right. The great John Doug. <laughs> All right, go back out to practice, whythedoitit.com. Right. We look forward to having you later in the season. Thank you so much for your insight tonight. Awesome, look, John. Have so a nice shot of him going to practice. He is honest. I am. I'm literally going out right now. It's offensive a period nice right now. Juice. There we go. Thanks, John. Yep, bye. The great John Beck and uh, the personal trainer, quarterback, coach of Zach Wilson, Keaton Slovis, Jaron Hall, Dak Prescott, and the list goes on and yes, on. Isn't that fun that he's got Dak going head-to-head with Zach this yeah, week, the Cowboys? That is so cool. And, and he had a lot of respect for that Dallas defense, as do I after watching him. Would this you want them week. coming at you? My goodness, they're good. They had seven sacks. After watching that game, I'm like, you know what? This might be the year Dallas goes back to the Super What's Bowl. What's Zach going to do with that line yeah, coming at him? What are the good. Jets going to do? Um, we'll find hey, out. Hey, uh, by the way, Bell, Bell Biv DeVoe has been chiming in. And and how does Bell Biv DeVoe says, hey, favorite Revolution song? Fade Away. That's the best song. I feel like Bell Biv DeVoe is a, a, a person that has, like, all kinds of information. Yeah. And by the share. way, we want John, by the way, on the show. So we're going to reach yeah, out John, to John. Come, to, come on the show with us one of these times, John. So pr- we appreciate you listening in. And that the the uh, pocket dial. So you're – and John's always above – like, we call it a butt dial. John calls it a pocket dial. It's better. It sounds nicer. Yeah, when you say dial. pocket dial rather than a butt dial, yeah. I, I call it a butt dial. So. Next week on The Wise Guys, Mark Comer from the Royal Blue Collective. They've got some new things going on, which are going to affect – BYU recruits. Uh, he'll be with us. Kansas radio analyst David Lawrence is going to be with us ahead of the Big 12 opener against mm-hmm. the Jayhawks. And we'll also visit with the alumni rep back in the Kansas area as Cougar Nation goes from Fayetteville to Lawrence. That's right. Back to back weeks. And, and by the way, the Kansas road. looks awesome yeah. this year. I'm really impressed with Kansas so far this year. Later in the month on September 26th, Charlie Peterson's going to join us, yes. former quarterback, and Dave Almodova ahead of all the festivities leading into the home opener. Uh, Wally Joyner in October, Riley Nelson, Brandon Doman, and many more. That's coming up in the coming weeks here on Wise Guys. DJ, can you show our game day graphic? Blaine, you want to pitch it? Yeah. Let's, let's we got a busy please, Saturday. Please, please, Look at please. these guys right here. Come join us on Saturday uh, for BYU Sports Nation game day. We're going to hit the air at 530 Eastern, 330 Mountain, for two hours of pregame coverage. You've got me, you've got Dave, you've got Dave Nixon, we have Brian Logan, Spencer Litton's on the field, and in in uh, Arkansas doing all kinds of interviews, um, doing live reports. Uh, we'll be in BYU TV studios this weekend, so we're not making the road trip, but Spencer's representing us down there. We've got a great show. We just, we just went through our production meeting today and planned everything for you. we got some great features. Um, so you can come with us for the pregame. Then you can you can jump over to ESPN2 uh, for the game live at 530 Mountain on ESPN2. And then come back to us for the postgame afterward. And we'll, we'll get all the interviews from the field and we'll break great. it down. It's going to be a fun Saturday. We live for days like this. For more on the Razorbacks as well as the Southern Utah game, watch After Further Review. That's on demand on the free BYU TV app. Tonight's show's waiting for you. And you can watch it as, as often as you'd like. Here's what the Cougars are going to look like in Fayetteville, the uniforms. I, I, I think these are the same unis they took to USC a couple of years ago where they just looked awesome. Yeah, they look great. And, um, and this is what it's going to be. Uh, they wore these last season at Stanford. Uh, be the Royal Helmets, white tops, and the Royal Blue Pants. That's going to look sharp. I feel, like, I feel like this is a classic. This is like, I think Kalani loves this because he loves the Royal. This is a classic away uniform that, that's been worn over the years. I like it a lot. 
Looks good. Keep chiming in on our live stream. We're, we're, gonna, we're going strong to the finish. we got a lot of stuff between now and the next few minutes to share with you. Last week in the Big 12, a couple of surprises, and then we'll look at this week in the Big 12 because that's the world we live in. Yeah. Um, Texas went into Alabama, beat Alabama 34-24. I thought beat him convincingly. Uh, Steve Sarkeesian, no, they- the former Cougar, got one of the biggest wins of his life, if not the biggest. That wasn't a fluke. They were the better team. Yeah. Like, the whole game I felt that. I'm like, Texas is better than Alabama. They had athletes that matched up with Alabama's at every position, which is scary for BYU because they play them at Texas later in the season. But all this talk about they're, they're stacked, they've got experience, um, th- this is going to be the year. I'm a believer right now. It could be. I'm it a believer be. right now. Boise State had Central Florida on the blue turf. And I thought that was going to be an interesting one. Central Florida kicked the field goal as time expired and beat the Broncos 18-16. to 16. We are also keeping an eye on Oklahoma. Are they going to score 75 points every time out? And the answer is no. Well, what did I say last week? I said, okay, if they score 70, then I'm all in. If, if they don't, because now SMU is a decent opponent, then, then my, you know, the jury's still out. So my jury's still out on Oklahoma. Yeah. Yeah, yeah 28, I, 28 11 They might have to beat Texas. Do I, do I think they're good? Yes, I think they're good. But do I think they're back where they're just unstoppable? I'm not sure now. No. I'm no, not it was sure 14 now. to 11 in yep. the fourth quarter. Yeah. So This week in the Big 12, a couple of notables that we'll keep an eye on Saturday is wait for, we wait for the BYU game where the Cougars are a 9.5-point underdog. 15th-ranked Kansas State, who I still think I picked them to win the Big they're 12. They're very good on both we'll sides see. of the ball. They're at Missouri. Yep. Oklahoma's at Tulsa. Pitt, West Virginia, you like that game I today like that. It's a big rivalry AFR. game. They both recruit against each other. It's, it's Western Virginia, Western Pennsylvania, you know, blue-collar towns. They take this game seriously. And, and it's a one-point it's a one yeah. point game with Vegas, so that's going to be a good one. Wyoming's going to Austin. They'll play Texas. That's going to be interesting to see how Texas bounces back from a big win. You know, everyone bounces back from a loss with a greater performance. Now that you've beaten Alabama at their place, you come home against Wyoming, who beat Texas Tech in Laramie a couple of weeks ago. That's going to be in Austin. We expect Texas to win, but will they? Will they come will out they and go? We're Texas going to win fifty to nothing, yeah. or are, are we? We're not quite back on games that don't have our full attention. That's right, and then and then Kansas is going to go on the road at Nevada. Um, what are they doing going to Reno? Yeah, that game has to has been scheduled for a while. But but this is the one that BYU fans will be interested in because uh, Kansas is going to host BYU a week from Saturday um, back in Lawrence. So um, I, I feel like Kansas is for real. They're better defensively than I thought, and their offense is really dynamic with Jalen Daniels. Saturday, a week from Saturday on ESPN in the yeah. afternoon. I yeah. know there's going to be a flyover. Our friend Clark has yes. told us there'll be a flyover in Lawrence, and a lot of BYU fans are going, as we heard earlier, from Blaine Douglas, head of the alumni group over there. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to be fun. Uh, we will have Kansas's alumni guy next week. This week, all the festivities that Blaine was talking about, that's for the Arkansas game. That's right. I jumped ahead there. Yep, yep. TCU in Houston is the first Big 12 game of the year. That's Saturday night. Yep, yep. and that's, it's interesting because TCU seems to have fallen off a little bit. And you know, We talked about this when we were doing our preseason preview. That, that TCU lost one of the best quarterbacks that's ever played down there. Mm-hmm. Um, interesting that he wasn't even a starter to begin the year, but should right. have been, obviously. They lost most of their offensive production, receivers, running backs. Um, 
And so they just don't seem to be quite as dominant as, as they were the year before. Obviously, they played in the national championship game. A little drop-off. Can they get their mojo going against Houston, who's one of the newcomers in the conference? Campus notes, we apologize to the soccer team for not mentioning the soccer team except for the very first few seconds of the show until now. It's the, but we've had a lot going on. It's the best program on campus. We've had right a lot now. going on. The Cougars are 7-0, and ranked number one again this week in the coaches poll. They're the only team getting first place votes. And they are up to number two in the top drawer, top 25, just behind Florida State. So they're cruising. They beat Utah 6-1. to one. If that was a fight in Vegas, it would have been stopped. They would have stopped the through. fight. They would have had a running clock. Oh, they do have a running clock. Last center. two <laughs> matches begin against Utah and UVU, twelve to two. Yeah, they're not messing around. This no. team, when you watch how good they, their passing game, they're just unflappable. And and Utah didn't pressure them much, um, but but when they played number one UCLA, UCLA pressured them. They just didn't seem to panic at all. Their no. passing game is one of the best we've ever seen. They're patient. They they. They feed each other. They play off of each other. They play connected. This is a really good team that's going to compete for a national championship this year. Spencer on the live stream says he will be at the TCU game. That's Thursday night, the Big 12 opener at Southfield. I, I don't even know if any tickets are still available. But if you can get there and get in, you'll want to do that. At 7 o'clock, Mountain Time, ESPN U. Not ESPN Plus. This is on the U. Right. For everyone to be able to find. That's Thursday night, TCU at number one, BYU. Yep. And, uh, and then Saturday, the Cougars are up in Logan to take on Utah State. Women's volleyball, 8-1. and one. Yeah. They're, they're in the new ranking, they're number 12. They slipped from number 8. Um, Probably shouldn't have slipped that far because no. Washington State was ranked yeah. when they got beat, but, but they slipped four spots. Um, they defeated Townsend 3-1, defeated Irvine 3-0. Um, the upset was at number 13, Washington State. So, so they lose to number 13 on the road, 3-1. Yeah, maybe they shouldn't have dropped to 12. But you, you can expect them to be a mainstay in that top 10 all season long. But look what's coming Wednesday night. Ahead of the soccer game Thursday night, Wednesday night. Yeah, Utah at BYU, 7 p.m. Mountain on ESPN+. Plus. You, if you can get in the field house, you'll yeah. want to be there go for that one. Go watch it. Uh, Friday, BYU at Utah Valley. So on the road at Utah Valley. It's like a beehive sweep here. Yeah. And then Saturday, BYU at Utah State. So it's all, it's all the Utah schools. Big 12 opener for the Cougars. Houston comes to town Wednesday, September 20th on ESPN+. Plus. Track and field, the Autumn Classic was last week. BYU men's and women's teams won both. Of course. Cougars number three for the men, number seven for the women. The next meet is the Virginia Invitational on September 23rd. Which I expect them to. They go down and run at sea level. Come they on, just that's, run past that's just everybody. too easy for them. Yeah. It's just too easy for them. Hey, we learned some things about women's hoops this week. Yeah, um, a non-conference schedule. Finally um, released. Yeah, Thanks, fi Coach. Finally, we get it. So some notables, uh, November 7th at Montana State. That's the season opener. And then November 10th, uh, Weber State, home opener. Then they're going to go over to Laie, Hawaii. Mm -hmm. well, anytime you can schedule games in Hawaii, you should do that. They're going to play Wake Forest on the 18th, and St. Louis on the 21st, right there on the BYU-Hawaii yeah, campus. ACC Atlantic 10, and then December 2nd at Utah, December 9th, Boise State at home, and then the Big 12 schedule is still to be announced. Now, Amber's been on the show and told us, yeah, I know who we play, but she, she, she won't tell us. No, she's we're, good at, we're she's, waiting. She's we're, good at keeping secrets. We're waiting on the league. Uh, BYU's in another top 20 poll. The Wall Street Journal ranks BYU number 20. On its best colleges in the United States list. Yeah, how about that? They ranked the top 400 schools. Princeton's number one. BYU's number 20. Yeah, that's fantastic. And the survey rated colleges based on salary impact, graduation rates, 
learning opportunities, career preparation, diversity, average net price, and value added to graduate salary. Throw all that in there, and you come up with a formula. Other Utah schools, the Utes are number 43, Weber State 267, Utah Valley 278, and Utah State 293. That's the Wall Street Journal. Best colleges in the United States list, BYU, number 20. And if we get a big center, I think we can get into the top 15. There you go. (laughs) Cougars in the NFL. What a start by Pukunakua. My goodness, 10 receptions. And he had a couple of balls that he had a chance. He could have had 12 in that game. I'm not not knocking him because he was phenomenal in this game. 10 for 119 versus the Seahawks. He's the fourth player in NFL history to have 10 receptions and a 100-yard receiving um, game in their first career game. You know, and Cooper Cup's out for a few more games. He's, Pukunaku is the target. I picked him up on my fantasy ever, team. Have you ever doubted him? No. No, we knew he was going to be great. I only wondered if he'd survive health-wise because right. he didn't He didn't stay never healthy, healthy yeah. in college, yeah. Washington or here. Right. But um, he made it through camp. He's made it through the preseason. Got knocked around Saturday. Yep. He'll be their target again this week. Tyler Algier rushed 15 times for 75 yards and two touchdowns against the Panthers. All my fears did not come to pass. He was not replaced by the new guy. The new guy got some stuff, too. But Tyler got the rock when it mattered. And yep. I, I was looking for that, too. Yep. Fred Warner, eight tackles. That's just normal day. He destroyed the Steelers. That's just a normal day for, for the best linebacker in the National Football League, Fred Warner. And then Zach Wilson. Hey, he's on the list. Yeah, 14 of 21. Uh, he had the one interception, 140 yards, a touchdown. Uh, and a 22-16 to 16 overtime win against the Bills. Nice job. It was, it's, it's been like every time I walk by a television today and ESPN's on, they're talking about it. Yeah. Talk about the Aaron Rodgers thing. Zach Wilson, what's it going to mean? So he's back in the limelight. Chance to be one of the great comeback stories, yeah. which is unfair because he shouldn't be a comeback story in his third year in the NFL. No. But they gave up on him, and now he's back. And now he's got some better players around him that John Beck yeah. talked about. And, and we'll and see. And they're good but, on man, defense. They're good on defense. But, he's but got the Cowboys He's got murderers row coming up. So <laughs> Here's the schedule for the Cougars this week. Yeah, Thursday, uh, Vikings. Jaron Hall and Kairos Tonga against the Eagles. You'll see Tonga. You shouldn't see yeah. Hall. Yeah, Hall's got a good gig going behind Kirk Cousins. Sunday, the Chiefs and Andy Reid against the Jags. Um, Reid going for win number 270 to tie for number four all time. He's going for it last week and they lost. I thought lost. he was going to get it. I, yeah. thought, I thought they'd beat the Lions. Yep. But you know yep. what? The Lions are tough. The Lions blew it by not re-signing Jamal. That's right. But they are they are tough. They, they blew it. Also Sunday, Michael Davis, who had a good game the other day. The Chargers take on the Titans. Yeah, the Packers and the Falcons. Tyler Algier, who is just as much a feature as he was before. Now they got a one-two punch at running back. Colts and Blake Freeland take on the Texans. How about this matchup? Yeah, the Niners and Fred Warner against the Rams and Puka Nakua. There's a chance Fred Warner that's, is going to hit that's Puka one of the games. That's one of the games I've like circled. Yeah, I want to watch that game. If I'm Puka, there's one guy I've avoided out there. Never mind Bosa. He he can do that, but do not. Just say hi to Fred before and after, not during. Yeah, we've already outlined the fact that the Jets and the Cowboys match up this week. Two of the best defenses in the game. Zach Zach Wilson, the starter. Yep. The Commanders and Dax Milne, although Dax is on the injury reserve right now. I don't know what's wrong with him. I don't uh, know what happened. Against the Broncos this week. Chris Brooks and the Dolphins against the Patriots on Sunday night football. And then Monday night this week is the Saints with Taysom and Jamal against the Panthers and Brady Christensen. I'm curious to see that one. The Saints squeaked out a win. They didn't use Taysom very much. That's right. you got to figure against the Panthers they will. They're going to have to. And then the Browns uh, with Sione Takitaki against the Steelers also on Monday night. Who doesn't love a doubleheader on Monday night? 
I love a doubleheader any night of the week when it's, <laughs> when it's football. All right, a couple of on this days, and then Caleb Chapman's going to play Rise and Shout yep. on his saxophone. And then we'll be out. Because they won, and you know, Rise and Shout will all be out. Um, and with all that we got going on, we're still going to close it out right around 8 o'clock, yep. which we, is 10 o'clock Eastern time because we know that, that New Yorkers got, Amber's got to go to bed. Yep. Tomorrow's and, and a new so, day. And sometimes, and you guys don't even know that are on the chat and that are listening. Sometimes everything doesn't go exactly as we planned it. It didn't tonight, but we just did it. We just rolled with the We punches. didn't do things in the order we were going to do them in, but we just did it. So thanks for your patience. And, and we, we, the live stream has just been humming all night. Yeah, which is great. We appreciate you. So 1959, on this day, September 12th of 1959, Bonanza premieres on NBC. I grew up watching Bonanza. Not Cartwright's 1959. They were Joe. still on the air in the 70s. Yep. That that was great. 1966, The Monkees premiered on NBC. Hey, hey, we're the Monkees. Walking down the street. Yep, you know that. 1970, Phyllis Phil George crowned Miss America. She then eventually got on with the NFL Today with Brent Musburger, Irv yep. Cross, and Jimmy the Greek, and they made television magic. Yeah, and how about in 1976? The Seahawks make their, make their entrance into the NFL. They play their first regular season game against St. Louis, and they lose 30-24. to 1978, Taxi premieres on ABC. I never really got into it, that show. It was big, though. But uh, the dude from Taxi was the guy from Back to the Future. Yeah. Yeah, and then in 1981, the Smurfs cartoon debuts in North America. I did, see, I did, see, did that one. see that one. <laughs> 1988, the Cardinals play their first NFL game in Phoenix. Remember, right. they were the St. Louis, Louis Cardinals. Cardinals. Then they went to Phoenix. Dallas beat them on their first. When Vi played for them, Elder Sikahema. Yeah. What do I call him? Well, it just depends. So He's, if we're just talking about him as a football player, we just call him Vi. Yeah. Okay, so Vi Sikahema. Um, when, when he was with, with the Cardinals, they were in St. Louis, not in Phoenix. Right. Yeah, so. Right, he's old school. Yep. 2004, the Lions beat the Bears 20-16 to 16 at Soldier Field to snap their NFL record 24-game road losing streak. 24 games they lost in a row. It's not fun. And the Lions, that's part of their legacy, but they're good now. Birthdays on this day, September 12th, Henry Hudson. Born in 1565, he was an explorer, and when you hear the Hudson River back in New York, yep. think of Henry. Snapped after Henry. 1913, Jesse Owens, Ford gold medals at the 1936 Olympics. 1944, Barry White. He was a singer that had the low voice. Yeah, that's right. And Barry then in 1981, Jennifer Hudson, the great singer, Broadway star and singer, Jennifer Hudson in 1981. Hey, let's not forget, too, September 14th is a big day. It's Brenda's birthday on Thursday, so let's That's not right. forget I'm that. That's right. I'm glad you remember that. Yep. So Johnny Cash was also born on this day. I don't have the year, but we do have the quote. Our wise guy's inspirational quote of the week is yep. Johnny Cash. Yep. Johnny Cash. You build on failure. You use it as a stepping stone. Close the door on the past. You don't try to forget the mistakes, but you don't dwell on it. You don't let it have any of your energy or any of your time or any of your space. That's words to live by. Yeah, great Johnny Cash. Johnny Cash. Hey, look for my book, C is for Cougar, coming to Deseret Book on November 7th. It's the only BYU football children's alphabet book in the history of the world where there's a legend behind every letter. We'll have more on this as we get closer. Look for it everywhere November 7th. Excited about that so, one. Fun show tonight. We're so... so Congratulations again to Dave Rose uh, on Monday, who will be inducted into the Utah Sports Hall of Fame. I loved our visit. I loved our visit with him. Yep. 
so fun to have Dave on. He's feeling a little bit better. and uh, He looked good. And it's just like, as he mentioned, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times you and I and Dave got together before, before a basketball game and talked. And, and, you know, and so he good. said, for the record, that he missed that. You yeah. know, at times we're like, hey, Coach, we need to sit down with you. We're, we're doing this game. I know you don't want to be here. But and, and, and then sometimes we just go, you know what? Let's not even talk about basketball. Yeah, we would just talk gotta, about life. We've so. got to help him, help him off the ledge. So, and, yeah, uh, make sure you get Dave's book. Hey, Spencer McMillan says that one of the times I need a singing sign-off, I'll have to bring the guitar in and actually do a real number to bring sign it. Let's do it the holidays and bring Libby yeah, in. Well, I'll bring Libby in and we'll, we'll have do a something. Sing-along. She and I will do a duet. and then, But, but now our sign-off is, is tradition already. This, the show's only a year or so old, and we have a tradition when BYU wins. Of our sign-off. Caleb Chapman of the Caleb Chapman Soundhouse, one of the great musical educators in Utah Valley. they got their new place now over uh, in Pleasant Grove um, where they teach kids how to play and be outstanding singers. Well, he plays a mean saxophone, and when the Cougars win, we play Rise and Shout with Caleb Chapman. And here it is. at the end podcast will be up tomorrow share it with your friends remember to like us subscribe on youtube twitch and facebook it's all free uh, sign up for our newsletter that'll come to you get highlights from this show and i don't know how jack's going to do the highlights this time there's so many yeah, things lots of great stuff on this show we thank john beck dave rose and blaine douglas byu's never played in a big 12 football game and the radio analyst for the kansas jayhawks david lawrence will be among our guests next week We'll get the Jayhawks take on the Cougars coming to town. There you go. The big time is here. BYU-Arkansas Saturday. Blaine and I will both see you on game day Saturday afternoon at 3.30 Mountain Time, 5.30 Eastern, two hours of pregame prep before the Cougs and Razorbacks. And and like we said today on on After Further Review, along with David Nixon, we think BYU is going to win this game. Yeah, I I think they match up. And I I don't think that Arkansas is going to score at will like they did last year and i and i think you know byu matches up better with the defensive style they have to play against arkansas can you imagine the kooks come home three and oh yeah heading to the big 12 opener and remember six gets you to a bowl game and more than six gets you to a really good bowl game that's right and that's what they're chasing uh awesome thank you for being with us tell all your friends again we'll see you all next week for more wise guys blaine fowler dave mccann and our our crew here let's uh let's go get one in the sec go get it